You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Wednesday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan Lavoy, the host of this show. Today I've got Cam Barry and Tom Peavy with me, T.P. Hammock running the board and taking your phone calls this afternoon on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Today on the show, we will continue to recap a little bit from this past weekend, but start to look ahead towards Auburn and Ole Miss coming up this weekend and uh, start to look forward to some of the football action. There will be several top 25 matchups once again coming up in the week, so we'll talk some Auburn football for sure. We'll also talk a little bit of NFL football today as we start to look towards the next uh, next week of NFL football as well. And, of course, to do that, as always, on the Wednesday show, Joe Bartle of Rotowire will join us at 5.15, talk some fantasy football with us. And, of course, again, we'll be talking – all modes of football here throughout the three hours of the show. Again, if you want to give us a call on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, one tiger 9 Ryan, Cam, and Tom with you here on this Wednesday. Start with you, Cam. Good to see you again, sir. Hope your week's been going well and good to have you on the show today. Absolutely. Week's been going great. Uh, I really enjoyed the off-air talk that you, me, and TP had talking NBA as, as, as that's right around the corner. So, uh, that was a really good time. Haven't talked a lot of basketball, so that was something to really look forward to. And uh, and SEC basketball media days were today as well. So the, the dealing with that and and um, you know starting to really see the the college basketball season also coming uh, closer and closer. Uh, and so really excited about that, especially to you know eventually get into talking about this Auburn team and and the new additions and all that stuff and. Um, yeah, also, you know, watch the LSU game. I was at a, I was at a wedding, but I was able, I found a way to, uh, to watch the game on my phone and I regretted it. And, you know, just watching and, and as, as LSU scored and scored and scored in the fourth quarter, um, as, as the defense kind of eventually really gave way, um, and, and, you know, it was a struggle to watch the offense, not be able to capitalize on such a weak defense that LSU had. So, um, talking, you know, just to talk about that a little bit more and then get ready to talk about this old Miss game, another uh, high power offense that is going to come into Jordan Hare and, um, you know, see, see what, uh, see what they're going to give us and, and just talk about it. But yeah, I'm, uh, I'm doing great. It's a Wednesday hump day in the middle of the week and, and uh, ready to get going. 
And yeah, as you mentioned, uh, yes, we, we should mention that SEC Basketball Media Days is underway, and actually right now, Bruce yes. Pearl is talking to the media, so we'll have some quotes for you from that a little bit later in the show. It's just a few weeks away from college basketball, as Cam alluded to. Pro basketball starts next week, and then college a couple weeks after, so it's starting to get towards that busy time of the year when both football and basketball overlap. Tom Peavy also on the show on this Hello. Wednesday. Tom, how are you? Good, sir. I'm good, man. It's uh Wrapping up another week here on Sports Call for me. And, uh, yeah, been a good day. And, uh, yeah, just, I mean, we're going to be recapping a lot of the stuff that I that I have talked about and that we have talked about and get into some more stuff. So, yeah, ready to get on to it. Been a good day. Absolutely. And so with that, we, we begin the show today talking a little bit of Auburn as we start to transition into once ahead for the Tigers with Ole Miss this weekend, uh, the Wednesday SEC teleconferences uh, already happened, and uh, you heard from Lane Kiffin and Hugh Freeze, and of course all the all the SEC coaches take part of that. Lane Kiffin very complimentary of the atmosphere that Auburn creates. I think he used the statistic that like sixty Auburn's like sixty six percent, sixty seven percent win percentage team at home historically, but forty eight percent on the road. So about what the home environment adds to Jordan Hare Stadium. Uh, and and certainly he knows that well because the last time that Ole Miss came to Jordan Hare Stadium was a triumph for the Tigers uh, as a thir- I believe a thirty-one to twenty victory. Yes, uh, in Jordan Hare Stadium a couple years ago, that was when Matt Corral was quarterback. He was a little banged up in that game, played through it. Uh, key interception in the end zone, the fourth quarter, to kind of salt that one away in the middle part of the quarter. Uh, and and kept Auburn in a really good place. They were having a good season at that time. Of course, things would go viciously downhill from there. Uh, but nevertheless, it was a productive game. Last year at Vaught Hemingway, Auburn had a pretty good uh, offensive output. It was one of their better offensive outputs in Power 5 competition under Harson. But, unfortunately, Ole Miss did what it does and scored 48 points uh, at home. And that, ironically, was the number that Auburn allowed to Louisiana State this past weekend. So this Ole Miss offense on the heels of the LSU offense, guys, another huge challenge for the Auburn defense. Yeah, I mean, you really – last year was a a very tough outing for the Auburn defense, and I think that the defense this year has been better. Um, I don't think they'll allow – I mean, how many rushing yards did Auburn's defense allow last year? I think it was roughly – It was was, was in the mid-200s. I don't have it in front of me until now. 238. 238. Last week? Against LSU? Or no, uh, oh. Ole Miss last oh, year. Oh, last year. Yeah, no, last year against Ole Miss yeah, was the, ridiculous. Yeah, they, they, they uh, I would think like it was like 400, over 400, 400 rushing something. yards. Yeah. I mean, Quishon Judkins absolutely ran all over this Auburn defense. Um, and uh, a much uh, so hopefully the defense remembers those that you know are still on on the roster remembers that performance from last year and can say, hey, we're not going to allow that in our stadium, not in our house. Uh, um, you know how Lane Kiffin offer, operates on the offensive side of the ball. He's going to take some risks, like you always say, Ryan. He's going to take those fourth down risks because that's just kind of how he operates. Um, and and you got to be prepared for things like that with, with Kiffin. And, um, you know, if you're the offense, they're the, uh, Ole Miss's defense is a little bit better um, than, than I would say they were last year. So you got to at least – but they're still not significantly great. Um, 
So you got to be able to build off that. I mean, you got to if you're the offense, you got to get something going, man. You, I mean, if you you know you weren't able to do it against LSU, which was disappointing, uh, and uh, which was like you know a, a bottom tier defense that LSU has, um, and so you you got to if you're at home. You know, Lane Kiffin has said, you know, Jordan Hare has some magic. Um, and Auburn acts like a completely different team at home. It just it just kind of is what it is. I, I mean, they took the number one team in Georgia all the way down to the wire. If Brock Bowers doesn't have the incredible game that he has uh, at the end of the uh, in the in the second half, then you, you probably win that game if you're Auburn. Um, but. You know they. I mean, they just play so much better at home, and I, I know Jordan Hare is one of the best home environments. You just got to build off that, and and you know you've got a pretty favorable home home schedule kind of down the road uh, as as things progress. You've got Ole Miss uh, coming into town, and, and so this is an opportunity to um, get a good win and um, you know re- reestablish yourself as a team that you know although they're not going to make the playoff they're not going to you know compete in the SEC do things like that this you can show that hey this is a team that's improvement improving and when we're at home we still win football games you know this fellas you or excuse me the Ole Miss team uh, ranking kind of in the middle of the country defensively which is a couple years ago I recall yeah, I mean, they were after bad. their 2020 year I said, just get into the middle of the country to give yourself a chance because they had been kind of where LSU had been prior to the Auburn game as far as being in the 100s and a lot of defensive statistics. So far this year, halfway through the season, they are 60th in the country in points uh, points allowed per game at 23.8. The interesting thing is is they've really played well, uh, relatively speaking, except for that LSU game, that, that track meet that got going. Aside from that, when playing Arkansas, Alabama, Georgia Tech, Tulane, and, of course, Mercer, they've not allowed more than 24 in any of those games. So they had one really awful track meet there. Other than that, they have been holding teams, even like Alabama, uh, Arkansas, again, Tulane, to low 20s. And so this is not the Ole Miss defense, I would not say, uh, of years past, it's certainly performing better on the field than, say, LSU's, which is, again, uh, odd considering the talent level that, that a couple of individual players for LSU have, but nevertheless um, just not playing well as a unit aside from, of course, in the Auburn game. Uh, but, but Ole Miss's defense is, is not an easier challenge than LSU's defense was, and so that part of it is interesting. And, again, just pairing up their defense into the middle of the country, allowing their offense, which ranks in the top 10 in scoring, allows them the chance to compete towards the top of the West. And so here they are at 5-1 and one ranked highly, and they are competing. Of course, they have already lost the important one to Alabama, uh, but still a lot of things in front of them in terms of an opportunity at Georgia in a few weeks. But then other than that, there are no other ranked teams on the schedule for Ole Miss. So they have a great shot at 10-2 uh, at and two ultimately on the year. Um, Tom, when you're looking at Ole Miss's offense, what's your confidence level in, in Auburn's defense coming off such a rough outing against LSU? Uh, I, I feel a little bit better. Um, it, by the way, it was 448 yards rushing. Good. That Christ. Auburn gave up last year. Uh, Auburn also rushed for 301. Tank Bigsby went for 179. He right. went for 179 he in that game. 
scored um, a lot of points, but gave up even more. Yeah, forty-eight to thirty-four in that one. Um, I I think that the defense will have a better outing. Uh, the crowd the crowd aspect of things tends to that favors the defense because that's you know you make a stop and then the crowd gets loud and it starts disrupting what Ole Miss wants to do. So they're going to have that, and plus it's a night game. I, the defense is going to get their stops. Um, I, I feel confident that Ole Miss will not rush for 448 yards on this defense. Um, they're going to get theirs. It's going to be they. They're just too. They're too good on offense to not think that they're going to make some plays. They're they're going to get their points, uh, but I think the defense is going to be better uh, this time around. Uh, like I said, just I mean, strictly just being at home, I think it's going to be better for them. So, uh, I I think there's going to be big improvements there. Unfortunately, I just don't know that the offense still even has enough to keep up with that. Even the the defense might play the best game of their life, and our offense yeah, is still I, so bad that they sputter. still may not have enough to keep up with Ole Miss. Yeah. Even though the defense plays, you lights know, play, plays complete lights out. I don't know that the offense still can put up enough to, to keep up with them. Because, like I said, Ole Miss is not going to get shut out. They're not going to be in single-digit scoring. I mean, you have to expect that they're going to be into the 20s. They're, they're going to get theirs. They, they just are because they, they've got the talent to do that. Um, you just got to hope that you can keep up with them on the offense. I don't know that Auburn can do that. So, Ole Miss's rush attack this year has been – uh, different than it was last year, to be honest with you. Last year, a breakout year for Quinshaw Junkins. He ran for over 1,500 yards. You had your number two back, Zach Evans, run for nearly 1,000 yards. So, I mean, you had 2,500 yards, essentially, out of their two backs, and that's not including Jackson Dart, who is a competent runner. He ran for 600 yards last year. This year's team only averaging about 183 a game. They've been slinging around a little bit more. Dart's been throwing – uh, Darts. I I tried not to go there, but I set <laughs> set that up for, for that. It. Yeah, just uh, out. but been throwing for about three hundred yards a game as a team, and so they have had to lean a little bit more past this year. The interesting thing is, and I know that Steve's brought this up a couple times, and uh, about you know concern with running backs yards per carry, and and I've rebuttaled with I don't think people realize this, but it is a thing for a lot of situations. The backup running back usually averages a better yard per carry than the main guy. Yeah. And there's a lot that goes into it. Sometimes situations because you're pounding third ones. Well, two yards was a successful run. However, it's not good for the yards per carry. And first and goal from the two or first and goal from the one, you hand it off touchdown. Yes, you achieved your goal. It was one yard. So last year even with Judkins, awesome. This is why you can't look at only yards per carry as it pertains to who's better, that sort of thing. He was at 5.7 yards a carry on his 1,500-yard year. Their backup, Zach Evans, was at 6.5 yards a carry. So, again, even though Judkins was awesome, we all acknowledge that, it's like, well, technically Evans came in the game when he got the carry on average. It would average up more. This year, it's even a wider discrepancy. So, And part of it is because Judkins has not played well this year. I mean, that that is a real thing. Yeah, he's struggling. He's at 4.1 yards a carry this year, which is not as great for a college running back. Jarquez is at 3.8. That's the genesis of the question yesterday. Ulysses Bentley, their second running back, who in six games is 37 yards – or excuse me, 37 attempts. So it's about six carries a game. He is averaging 7.4 yards a carry. So – 
when he comes in, it's usually a, a nice chunk of change, and and they have had good success with that. But again, it's like you just look at yards per carry, and that can be a little confusing for those that have wide discrepancies on the carries. But nevertheless, the 4.1 number for Judkins is, again, a full yard and a half below what he was last year. And that speaks to the issue, uh, relatively speaking, that Ole Miss has had a little bit more of a problem running the ball. And that's what I would hope that Auburn can show off. I mean, yes, obviously, if, if Ole Miss is better not be running anywhere near what they did last year, that's going to be a long day. And, and I don't right. expect that to happen either. But this is an opportunity for – you to make there be obvious pass situations and to start to gain more control rather than the other team controlling you. LSU was controlling Auburn the entire time when LSU was on offense. Auburn only forced one punt and they forced a tipped interception uh, in the uh, not in the end zone in the towards the red zone. Yep. Uh, and, and so at no point was Auburn on the front foot. They were always on the heels defensively. They they did not garner a lot of pressure. They just did not impact the game defensively. I am hopeful that Auburn can do a good enough job in the run game this week that they will force Ole Miss into some situations where, yes, they might still convert because they are really good offense, but a third and medium or so long. There was not a lot of those for LSU. If there was, then Jane Daniels would flawlessly run for a first down on third and whatever. Six of nine on third downs, I think, is what we said yesterday. Yes, and so – I mean, even the fact that you only forced – I mean, think about it. You only forced nine, nine. third downs. Right. I mean, that that is an offense playing yeah. on the front foot and getting you way behind, and they're always dictating the, the mm-hmm. play. And, and, and so I'm just optimistic. I think the path for Auburn is this is a stoppable ground game. You yes. use that crowd. You use your front, which is a good – better at run stopping than it is at pass rushing inverse of last year and make some hay as far as uh, just just getting Ole Miss into a few situations that at least they have to churn out some yards and that sort of thing. We're going to head to our first timeout of the show this afternoon. When we come back, more thoughts on Auburn football. We'll also transition, talk about some other storylines in the country and some NFL a little bit later. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. have your attention please ladies and gentlemen can i please have your attention we're auburn's first and auburn's favorite sports talk show hi my name is what my name is my name is sports call on tiger 95.9 i'm deshaun davis former auburn tigers football player and all sec linebacker you're listening to sports call on tiger 95.9 Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Cam Berry with you here on this Wednesday. And of course, coming to you live from our studios on South College Street. We're going to continue to talk some football throughout the show, but did want to get in a few Bruce Pearl remarks here real quickly from 
the SEC media days as, uh, you know, I was going through them and Cam alerted me to one of them. And uh, when you're looking at some of these quotes this week, they're talking about starting lineups and uh, how they feel they'll get a starting group together pretty soon here. Um, Bruce Pearl talking about a 10-man rotation for the team this year that they have about nine guys they feel could start right now. Uh, also included Chaney Johnson as somebody that he feels will be one of the best players in the SEC at some point, either this year or next year, which uh, is very high expectations. I would not have uh, – I would not have had those expectations to be candid. But uh, this team – Asked for Justin Ferguson about it yesterday. 32nd, technically, if you go through all the votes to be ranked in the AP poll. 15th in Kim Palm, which is more of a measure of just looking at kind of the returning production and all, obviously the analytics, computers, all that sort of thing. I know Ferg was talking a little bit yesterday about just the human perception that Auburn did not bring in a robust transfer class. And I certainly understand that, too, because I, I, I am guilty of thinking along those same lines that I was personally a little underwhelmed by it at the end of the, the cycle. I thought it got off to a really good start. But they have some guys that are obviously just not as proven at as high of a level in the sport. And, look, we know guys transfer from smaller schools all the time. That's a given. But, you know, when you have someone from a different division – of of the NCAA, and then you have uh, somebody that was in a JUCO row and that sort of thing. Those are not as big of the norm anymore. JUCO used to be a, a decent measure of some recruits and that sort of thing. Cam Newton. Uh, uh, well, sure, but that's football. <laughs> um, talking basketball, and so oh, yeah. uh, you know, I. Th- but the JUCO route has not been as common in the age of the portal. And, yeah. Uh, in the last few years, so with someone you know that, that hits that, and of course, I, I just I, I I'm a little bit worried about it from the standpoint of the the quality. Not that they won't play nine or ten guys, but the quality depth of players three through five or six on the team would be my concern. How do you feel about if we're if we're taking Broom out of there and we're taking Jalen Williams? And you've got everybody else into that pool trying to to uh, go spots three through six or seven on the team. How do you feel about those group of guys, and, and how do you think that kind of shakes out? So, uh, obviously, um, uh, Pearl talked about the point guard battle. I'll kind of start there. They're both young. Trey Donaldson, you know, in his second year, sophomore. Uh, Aiden Holloway, five-star coming in, point guard. Uh, he talked about how they both can shoot pretty well, which Trey really showed that he can shoot in the tournament. And Aiden Holloway is just throughout high school in his senior year has already proven to be one of the top shooting freshmen um, just coming into the SEC. Uh, so he wanted to see how he said he said he knows he's like I know they can both shoot. I just want to see are they going to be able to play make and are they going to be able to play defense. That's going to be the key. So wondering with that, uh, that I mean, defense is really where a lot of it is kind of going to start. It seems like everybody knows how to score. Uh, I think Bruce is going to build his starting five. The rest of his, you know, ro- really like round out his rotation based off who's going to be able to make impactful, impactful plays on defense. So I know that, you know, it seems like Denver Jones is pretty legit as well. Uh, he's coming in and, and as a transfer and, um, 
you know, he's going to be really good at the shooting shooting guard position. I think he's like 6'4", a uh, lot of shooting, a lot of, lot of length. So that'll be helpful with, with the defensive side of things. And then, um, you know, I, I still think KD's gonna, Katie Johnson's going to be a consistent part of the part of the rotation as well because of the energy that he brings in. He plays nonstop defense. You know, I know he, you know, sometimes has had his woes on offense and, you know, the things that he struggles with went with, with shot quality and things like that but I think he hustles you know like crazy and I think that I think that Pearl just values that in him a lot and, and the energy that he brings so that's kind of like where I'm feeling with the guard play um, with with Chaney Johnson and and uh, I think they, they call him CBM um, yeah, Chad Baker Missoula. Yeah. Um, he's you know he's long uh, uh, Chad Baker Missoula is really really long just doesn't have a lot of weight on him so I'm, I'm kind of nervous as to how he's going to play against sec competition because he's you know these guys these forwards they're huge they're they're big body guys they have a lot of muscle it's going to be hard you're backing up probably i would assume that jalen williams is still going to be the starting forward but i think uh cbm that that three spot is where you're you're wondering who's how that's going to go because you lost alan flanagan so that's who 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 you're trying to replace production wise in that three spot um uh cheney johnson could be interesting because it seems like he's got a lot of a lot more athletic ability than was thought um when he played at what he was at uah if i remember correctly so that's a big jump but it'll be interesting to see uh how how his uh, how his skill set transfers over. So that battle between uh, Baker Missoula and Chaney Johnson will be interesting. Anything to offer, Tom? Uh, the big thing is, I mean, you, Cam pretty much covered everything there. Uh, the biggest thing is Auburn's going to have to shoot the ball better than they did last year, and they, I think they have gotten that with some of the guys coming in here. I'm really excited to see Aiden Holloway. Uh, anytime that you can get a five-star coming in here, that, that makes me excited. You got the other guys that are coming in here through the transfer portal and excited to watch them. Uh, Janai Broom, I'm really to see, ready to see if he can actually step up to that next level. Uh, he's a preseason first-team All-SEC, uh, looked at as one of the top big men in the country. But I'm ready to see him take, that, get, take his game to even the next step. So uh, right now, you know, a lot of people uh, are, are picking Auburn – kind of down uh this year they've got a lot of folks uh picked ahead of them i've seen uh, a lot of people have arkansas going to the final four this year kentucky's expected to be good bama is expected to be good um so i mean there's gonna be a lot of teams on the schedule and it starts early with baylor and and some big time teams so uh you i just you know i'm i'm looking forward to auburn to get a, a good hot start with things but i just want to see him shoot the ball better uh, that's that was the the thing that i think we all darn near got gray hair about last year was just the the poor shooting and so if they can just improve on that at least a little bit then i think they can be a much better team this year yeah you know i i think that they have a clearly higher ceiling i think that they still have a dangerous floor because right. there are more unknowns than there were coming in the last year when you think about you had wendell green jr coming back sure. you got known known commodity Still maybe not the best guy in the world, but had his strengths. Uh, you had Flanagan back for another year. You kind of knew what to expect. You were optimistic about Broom. It was the first year for him, but you knew what to expect in Jalen Williams um, and, and Katie Johnson a little bit. Yep. And so, you know, I think that ultimately those guys were 
uh, again, more of a known group, whereas the good news is you're starting with the foundation of Janiah Broom and Jalen Williams, really good players. Uh, but then you've got these guys where, whereas you know Aiden Holloway, he might end up being better than Wendell Green Jr. He right. might be one of the best point guards in the country, but he's also a freshman and he might have to learn some things. He might have a learning curve. Trey Donaldson in the NCAA tournament looked like he was about to take a huge step. So does that step actually occur and he become – uh, a big-time deal. So uh, I, I think those questions are going to be very important. Let's go to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line real quickly here, and I believe we're uh, we're joined by a very special guest on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, Mr. Trevon Reed. How are you, man? <laughs> T. Reed. Hey, I just want to – hey, look, I'm sitting in the office. I just want to call my boys and let them know I miss them, though. Well, we miss you too, man. I, I uh, we we get asked about you still quite frequently, uh, and we know that you're very busy this time of year. So we try not to to bother you too much. But man, how are you? Man, I'm great. Man, I'm great. I'm great. How y'all boys doing? We're doing well, man. We are obviously getting set. Uh, you probably just heard a little bit of basketball talk there, but obviously we're talking about this football team halfway through, and uh, things are things are going good over here. And I uh, I know that everyone's been dying to hear from you, man. Man, I'm I'm blessed, man. Everything blessed over here. We we'll be all right. Well, hey, T. T. Reed, here's I, a big question: We done yet? No, sir. <laughs> we de- we definitely we definitely ain't done yet, man. It's a blessing to be here on this staff. It's a blessing to call y'all boys my brothers. And I had to check in on y'all. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, uh, look, I I know that uh, I know that the season is in full swing right now. I know things have not gone. Um, you know, as smoothly as people hope. But this is a process, as we've been telling the people, and we've been checking uh, those recruiting rankings religiously. We know Auburn got another big dude for 2025. The other day, we know that you and all those guys are, are working your tails off on the recruiting trail, man. And uh, you know, we we obviously just for you personally, we're very proud of of, of what you're doing. I know we we can plays with you. you get Cam, Cam uh, plays with you uh, from time to time, but uh, you get yeah. on my nerves. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, we're very proud of you, man, and uh, we're we're excited to see where this program is going to end up here a couple of years down the line. Man, I'm with you, bro. I'm with you. I'm excited. I'm excited for where we headed. Um, we'll be all right. We'll be all right for sure. But hey, Cam, don't be saying on air that you you hate me, man. I, I didn't you. say that. I said you get on my nerves. <laughs> Listen, I love you, man, and I'm 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 gonna call I'm gonna call I'm gonna call, call her tonight, okay? Bro, I'm not dealing with you, bro. All right, I'm not I'm not dealing with anything. You, got. I'll see you Saturday. It's fine. I'll see you hey, on Saturday. Hey, 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 mom. No, nope, I'll see you on Saturday, you. bro. We're not dealing with this. We're not doing this right now. I'm not doing this with you right now. Hey, hey, Trevon, by the way, Michelle just texted me. She told me to tell you, hey, and she hopes you and your family are doing great. Oh man, tell her I say hey, and I, I really appreciate that. My family doing very great. Your boy married now. Yeah. I'm a whole, I'm a, I'm a whole different man. A Cam, no, I'm mature. Not. I'm mature. Now. No, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> I'm, I'm mature now, man, and I don't, I don't let, I don't let you bullying me Bro. get to me anymore. <laughs> oh man, I'm not dealing with you, man. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I got this guy calling to my job. I'm doing great, by the way. You know, I'm. I just got this guy calling to my job and harassing me. But everything else is cool. I'm, I'm by, great. By chance, you know his name, bro. Yeah, I don't want to air him out though. It's fine. I I, I like him. He's a cool guy, but I, I don't want to air him out. 
I got you. I got you. I, I think I know who he is, but I could be wrong. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you could be. You probably are wrong, but it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I love man. y'all boys, man. I'm about to head out here to practice, man. Get another good day of work in, man. I just wanted to call y'all and brighten y'all boys' day up, man. Sounds good. Well, you certainly did that. Oh, you brighten a lot of people's days up, man. And uh, just keep grinding. We know you will, and we're very proud of you. And uh, you, you can, you know, you can call us any single time. We'll, we, uh, you know, Cam might give you grief, but uh, we'll always uh, take your phone call. We appreciate you, man. <laughs> My guys, man, love y'all. Love you too, right, love, you too, love you too, man. That is Trevon Reed, the great Trevon Reed, joining us there. He's I on the Orthopedic. He is, he is, <laughs> he's more than I in my book, and you know, and you know deep down, he's more than I in your book too. He's part of the you, Thunder Chicken right family. Yeah, 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 he is a he is a former that's Thunder my, Chicken, and uh, he's still part of the Thunder Chicken. Yeah, family. absolutely. So uh, that's uh, we really appreciate hearing uh, from Trevon right there. We're going to take our next break of the program. Back with more on Sports Call here on this Wednesday, right after this timeout. Want to join our conversation? Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Cam Berry with you here. On this Wednesday afternoon, TP Hammock running the board, taking your phone calls. And we certainly appreciate Trevon Reed for joining us there for a few minutes of the program just before practice. Uh, always good to hear from T. Reed. We know that callers do ask about him from time to time. And, uh, you know, with. Uh, Trevon talked a little bit there, just just catching up briefly. But uh, we missed that guy, man, and he's continues to do great things uh, with with Auburn and uh, having life events there, getting married. He has the the two little ones running around, and uh, Trevon's just just generally one of the best dudes we know. I oh, know he is, and it always has been, and so very proud of the work that he's been doing and the successes that he's been having over there on that on that Auburn staff. You know, it, just, it couldn't happen to a better guy. And and the family thing. I mean, the, the family thing has just been blossoming now for him. And so it's just incredible, and we're all very proud of him. Yeah, absolutely. And so Trevon, of course, a part of that uh, recruiting process for a lot of players and uh, some of the operations, that sort of stuff. But, uh, we, you know, we talked a little bit about uh, the recruiting element of it uh, yesterday where did lose another uh, corner um, a, a low four-star player, bordering on three, you know, three to four-star player. Um, he decommitting. They did get a four-star defensive lineman for 2025. I know our friend Jeff always jokes about, you know, I talk about low and high, four and three and five-star players. But I was thinking about the other day too, and I was like, well, I mean, th- it is a relevant difference to me because you only have 40 to 50 five-star players, really 50s of generous, 30 to 40 right. five-star players. So players 40 or 45 to 300, 350 are all four-star guys. 
But the expectations you're going to have for, say, the number 62 player in the country are going to be far different than number 322. They right. might have the same star beside them, but that's a whole different ball game in terms of type of player that you're expecting to get. And so that's why I kind of just kind of offering why I do say it the way I do from time to time, a low four, a high four, et cetera. Uh, and also knowing that other services rate them differently. And so I appreciate the on three site a lot because they'll show you how all the major sites rank them. And so, look, they have different evaluators, different scouts, and and different recruiting guys. And so some will evaluate people 50, 100, 150, 200 spots differently. And I think that's always relevant information. Uh, and so uh, just, again, saying that Auburn has lost a couple of DBs. But to the fact that I was actually looking the other day, and correct me if I'm wrong, I thought Auburn has been in the teens really the whole time in the 2024 yeah. class. Yeah. At being at 15, I don't think that dropped them at all, losing yeah, that player. I, I, don't I don't recall don't them any. So. I think at one point earlier, you know, a few couple months ago as the season was starting, I think they had gotten to maybe 12 or 13. But I don't recall them getting much higher than that. So I'm not really sure that these commitments have actually really factored in that month or these decommitments rather because again these are not the top five six seven eight guys committed for 24 so again i'm not trying to go overboard and say it's no deal whatsoever like yeah it's you always want to have a full class of talented players obviously but these are not big warning signs in my opinion is what i'm saying is that they're still in general making some positive recruiting momentum and uh, i'm not too worried because they still have two other guys that are four-star uh, corners committed for yeah. twenty-four. Yeah, they're they're also they're they're going to be trying to flip some guys. I I, I know well. I don't know about a, a defensive back. He's a wide receiver, but I mean, there's an Alabama wide receiver that I know for fact. Ryan Williams. Uh, Ryan Williams at Auburn is yeah. desperately trying to flip. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, but there's Sadly. other there's other guys out there defensive backs that uh, could potentially be flipping, but some other defensive backs that may be better than the guys that were committed. And so I don't think there's any surprise there. And uh, and I think that they've probably got their guys got their eyes and have their thoughts that they can get somebody that is even better. Yeah, and and of all the rooms that you're saying, you know, we've lost to commit, you know, the DB room is honestly the one that you probably stress the least about because right. the that is the deepest room. That's the one that's as continuously has had the most continuity um, through just coaching changes and, and roster changes and things like that. You've had the, the DB room has been plenty deep. Um, even, you know, guys coming in the, in that class, it's just, I mean, DBs, it's just a deep room. So I, I wasn't too surprised. And then I think, you know, I read some stuff, don't know how true it is on Twitter, just about, you know, they're saying we're, we're working on, you know, people are working on flipping another guy. That's why this guy decommitted and things like that. And, and so you wonder if that's how true that is and you don't know. Um, but you know, this could be something that the reason this player decommitted is is maybe Auburn's hopefully. Well, Auburn moved from on from him, right? Auburn moved on from him exactly. So you don't, you never know till things actually take shape. But uh, that's definitely something to think about and consider. Yeah, there's. I was going to say there, there's definitely some bigger positions that would it would, would worry me more, and players that would worry me, worry me more. Um, for instance, Perry Thompson. If Perry Thompson all of a sudden says, eh, "No, nah, I don't want to come to Auburn," I'm I'm going to look around again like, "Oh crap!" You know, you don't want to lose. You don't want to lose a Perry Thompson. Uh, the the offensive lineman from California, DeAndre uh, Carter. DeAndre Carter. 
that we'll see what happens with him. He made a, he made an uh, official visit to Texas, but that's a guy you don't want to lose. You don't want to lose anybody that you know, a blue chip stud right, that you're bringing on the O line. That's something you definitely right. like or, can say no. I can't afford to lose. This or a guy. blue chipper, blue chip game changing type wide receiver is a desperate need of uh, a need right now, and so you don't want to lose those. But yeah, in the secondary, if it's a guy that Auburn decides to move on from, then you know you just kind of take it with what it, what it is. Yeah, and uh, again, signing day coming up in I guess about a month and a half yeah. or so. December, uh, yeah, first week of December, something I, like yeah. I, I don't the first one, yeah, the, and which of course now is Still, the main yeah. one. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah, uh, because I mean ninety to ninety five percent of the guys again. That's also too handling this a little bit towards the end of the show yesterday. It was why you know this again. It was said on Monday's show that uh, this feels like it's you know there was the opinion out there. That said that this roster was already being made in Hugh Freeze's image, which I strongly disagree with because you have a situation where you're having to last minute come in and fix that class. Where right. those, yeah, sure, that's he signed, he got about half that class, if not a little bit more, to commit. Doesn't mean those were the guys he would have targeted if he was here for 12, 18, 24 months. Uh, and then on top of that, I'm sorry, but I don't think that Hugh Freeze thinks that transfers, with all due respect, because some of these kids can still play at a decent level, I don't think a bunch of kids from North Texas and Appalachian State and Jackson right. State and Cincinnati are the kind of kids that are going to go win a title. And, and, and you can have a couple of those guys that are standouts, but it's not like that Auburn won a bunch of battles against uh, you know, Alabama or Texas or Clemson for – those type of guys, you know, they won some decent battles in there. Some of these guys were coveted in, in various ways. You know, I, Rivaldo Fairweather from FIU is a good get. He's played all right, but not awesome. But it's yeah. like, you know, th- again, if you think that Hugh Freeze is thinks this roster was in, in a great place and made in his image or whatever the wording was on Monday, I'm sorry, I've got news for you that, that this in no way does he think or should anyone think that this is a, a, what Hugh Freeze roster would look like after about three cycles of everything yeah. going on with him in there. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, that's – and, again, I hate I, – I try not to let the minority opinion rule um, thinking because I know that just a few angry people on Twitter from time to time are not representat- uh, representing the whole. I know that the majority of people are not trying to already change a bunch of right. things. Maybe, maybe some smaller stuff trying to change, sure, because you can't just – do nothing at all times but like people insinuating that this needs to be done by the end of next year or he needs to be out and you're not understanding the context of the situation the situation and i again i hate we're talking about this in the middle middle of the season but i wish they were four and two five and one right now already in great place in your one but the thing is is that the situation that freeze walked into was different than the situation harson walked into and people need to understand that. Malzahn had one disappointing class at the end of his tenure. That was it. The 19 class going to 20, freshman of like Tank Bigsby in 2020, that class was a normal top 10, top 11 class. Yep. It was just the 20 class, the COVID year, that was the affected class. So you basically had a pull of three to four acceptable, normal top 10 to 12 recruiting classes. And you can do the whole spiel about, but it was fifth in the SEC. I get it. Okay, still got to try to figure out to beat a couple more teams. Get it. But still, that's how Auburn has recruited for the entirety of time. That's still some of the best classes. 
And so when Harson takes that over in 21, you can say, sure, they're not scheme fit uh, or that sort of thing. But the, the point remains the talent was there to win football games and to not have to do this in some rebuild mode. It was a retool, not a rebuild. They hired the wrong guy, and Harson did not do a good job on the field, and he specifically did an even worse job with recruiting to the point where the last bad Malzahn class plus two poor uh, cycles under Harson result in three cycles where you have under-recruited. Absolutely. And remember, you were not under-recruiting from a place of third or fourth, therefore recruiting 10th or 11th. You were under-recruiting from a place of 10th, 11th, 9th, 8th, etc., now recruiting in the upper teens to low 20s. You know what that is in the SEC? It's not 4th or 5th. It's 8th or ninth or 10th, depending on the year. Yeah. And so the problem is you play seven or eight teams that on paper are going to have more talented players than you are. So you are not only not anywhere near championship talent, you're now fighting with the middle teams to even argue you have more talent than them. And so my point is, when you've had three of those cycles, that's not that's going to be an infiltration of your program. And you're going to have a place where when Freeze is taking over, you're going to have a, a big chunk, not only depth, but also top-tier talent-wise to make up, of which you cannot make up not, not in, in one cycle, cycle where no. you didn't even have a full cycle of right. it. Right. And I don't think this it should be anything earth-shattering that I'm saying here. No, no, I agree. But I'm just fighting against the, 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 few, the few group of people that are saying that this should be done by the end of next year. I get it. You can have they, – they have made some poor coaching decisions this year. I'm not blind. We all say the quarterback rotation. It's, it's been dumb at times. That, that is out of a place of – that, that is not in a place of this is how it will always be in the future. If you have one good quarterback, you don't need a second. They don't have one good quarterback. It's causing a lot of issues. When you have linemen that are questionable, when you have receivers that don't make the 50-50 plays, that's not the talent required to win no, in this league. Period. All. It is not. Right. That's why there are five issues when Auburn tries to throw the football, not just one. So you can act like play calling is an issue, but at the same time, there's four other issues there. So how about you weed a couple of them out because you actually acquire the talent, and then you can look at if play calling is still an issue at that point. So anyway, that I, I feel like I'm having to get on a soapbox midway through the, the year. good old Ryan but, spiel. But Ryan's rants is back. Love but, it. But it's just like I cannot believe that some people are insinuating this is already a bad hire, it's already – going south and there needs to be things done and yet there are people out there not reasonable people but there are people out there that are starting to think that by the way the uh early period for uh, d1 football december the 20th so uh december 20 is okay the, so it's well into the month yeah december, december 20 is the uh it's december 20 through the 22nd is the early signing period for football and uh then your regular period is february the 7th of 2024 yeah, the the last stance. What used to be yeah. the normal national signing day, right? February seventh. So yeah, December twentieth. There you go. So I, again, I, that that is just been on my mind recently because I know it's been coming up and people are feeling the need to like say, oh well, the coaches are making bad decisions too, and right. and uh, you know it's not all about talent and that sort of thing. And that is there is some degree of truth in that. 
But at Auburn and in the SEC, just being simply a solid developer of talent when you don't have anywhere near the talent necessary ain't going to matter. There's too many good teams, too much talent, too many teams. As I just said, even at 10th or 11th, Gus was still getting criticized recruiting. Now, just probably so for offense line, he did not recruit that well at all. But everywhere else, he recruited completely fine. And it still was deemed not enough. So when you go in the 20s for a couple of years, that's way off. It's a Mike Breen way off when someone airballs a three. (laughs) So, again, that is a real thing. You can argue about how much you should be saying uh, saying it out in the press and that sort of thing. You can make these little arguments. But the thing that matters, the core thing that matters is – Auburn needs a couple of cycles, real full cycles, not just, oh, let me grab a Cincinnati player from the portal to actually fix what has gone on the last three to four years. So that's all I'm simply suggesting. I don't, you know, Die Hard Die had a similar call yesterday where he said, just everybody love everybody. I know it's not going to happen, but at the same time, again, breathe. Midway through season one, big overarching opinions about what will happen three to four years from now do not need to be made at this time so again that is the mark of a three and three team unless the discourse continues and that sort of thing but again that's where i'm at here on uh, week seven week uh, game week seven of the season we're gonna take our time out here to end the three o'clock hour of the program jeff from columbus will be Waiting for us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. He will start off hour number two. When we come back, you're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call here on this Wednesday afternoon. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday. T.P. Hammock run the board and taking your phone calls. And with that, to start hour number two, we'll go back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-889-TIGER-9. Next up, 
Jeff from Columbus. Jeff is with us. Jeff, how are you this afternoon? Doing great, guys. Hope you all are doing okay. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Doing well. Man, your advertisers probably aren't going to like it that you announced that I was coming up next because they probably lost a lot of customers. (laughs) (laughs) You you are a good caller, Jeff. We we do not worry about that. Sure. Sure. Hey, um, uh, man, Ryan, you kind of stole my thunder uh, because I was going to – I was mainly calling in because no coach at Auburn has recruited an offensive lineman in forever. But you did say that at the end of your – Rant, the, yeah. end of your <laughs> remarks. And, stuff. and how are they doing in recruiting offensive linemen under Hugh Freeze? Great question. So they're – I believe they're fourth highest ranked commit in the 24 class. Uh, no, he's fifth highest rated commit. DeAndre Carter – is a 6'3", 340 uh, interior offensive lineman from Modern Day High School in, in California. He's the number 10 uh, offensive lineman in the country. Uh, so that's a 2024 guy. Other than that, it's a little underwhelming for 2024. Uh, they do have a guy uh, in 2025 that's ranked pretty decent. I'm trying to pull, uh, remind myself of his name right now. So their quantity is not there yet. Uh, but they do have a player there. Yeah, they've got a they've got a three star guy for twenty five already from Athens, Alabama, uh, named Spencer Dallin. So uh, not robust yet, but Carter was definitely a big get. Yeah, and seeing how you need, you know, five, you'd like seven or eight. You know what I'm sure. saying? At least. Oh yeah. And uh, dang. Uh, now was this a a high three star or a middle three star? I did hear your comments on that, <laughs> and it does make sense also uh you know because like you say from from number 60 to what two two forty three yeah three three hundreds usually yeah yeah and and i'll i'll be checking on you i noticed that you this decommit was uh he was closer to the three than the five when he yes. decommitted I yeah so don't, don't know how you had him ranked before the decommit but that's that's good <laughs> hey um uh did you all Get a wide receiver, uh, a re- highly recruited wide receiver. I know yes. the guy from Alabama went to Texas A&M, but did you get another one? Yes, it's uh, Perry Thompson. He went, he's at Foley High School, and he is the highest rated commit Auburn has. He is he is a cons- uh, consensus five star, number thirty three right. player in the country. Yes. Okay, so this will go back to what we had discussed last last week. I want to know. How much this guy is getting paid in NIL money? Sure. Because is, is there a reason for a five-star recruit to come to Auburn? I mean, other than he loves it. I mean, playing, he playing time. He wants to play. Playing time. I, I mean, well, the 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 roster is a five-star per, the, receivers can play anywhere. Well, yeah, but I mean, if you go into you go to a team, uh, he was committed to Georgia or the Bama. No. Uh, he was committed to Bama. Bama. Yeah. Okay, he was committed to Bama. Um, and they're they're not, you know, they're not a whole lot better quarterback wise. Maybe you yeah. know what I'm saying. But I'm just curious. Uh, uh, well, I mean, there's I mean, there's there's a lot of different reasons, and I mean, it could be playing time. It, it could be the coaching staff that he just really liked. Uh, you or know, it the, could be the money. Yeah, money's absolutely you're, you're, you're part sure. of it. But there, but what we're saying is, but they can't Jeff, pay him until they get here. You can still get a comparable. A comparable amount from these other schools with someone that big, you you can get a comparable amount, and it's not like you know unless Auburn's budget goes above those 
around them. You know, Auburn's still trying to get more than just one big guy in the class. Um, and so right. it's, it's not like that. Oh, we we just get this one guy that we don't care about the rest of it type of deal. So like those other things, they might feel tertiary at times, but also for individual kids. I mean, we forget there's hundreds and, and really thousands of kids in the country that commit every year. Their reasoning changes from person to person, but. You know, sometimes it is your position, coach, that that you develop a great relationship. I think he referenced, and some people, some people certainly criticize this because you look at some other guys and they've actually done a better job. But he referenced Hugh Freeze's job with wide receivers at Ole Miss, uh, and that he feels okay. confident that those guys, because there are a lot of Ole Miss receivers playing in the NFL. Uh, that that he would be able to get to the NFL through that. Now, obviously, that would be true to other places too. But but that's the reason he gave publicly. So, like, yeah, absolutely, money is is a, a huge part of it for all these kids. But there's still, when you're really big guys, there's going to be some other factors that definitely play a role. But I mean, it, okay, yeah, I, you know, I'm not making this decision, but I'm just. Uh, it's going to be weird to see because. I'm just thinking if it was my own son. Auburn, Auburn doesn't even have their starting quarterback for next year on campus yet. Correct. Most likely. Correct. So, I mean, it just seems hard for me. I mean, maybe he wants to be a vet, a good engineer. You know, I don't know. But it just seems very, it, it, it seems very strange to me that a five-star wide receiver commit would commit to a team that offense is struggling in the passing game the way that Auburn did. Well, and, but like you say, it. I mean, especially nowadays when a commitment doesn't mean anything. You know, we uh, they they really don't. You know, and somebody that commits for a 2025 class, I don't even. You know, knew that was committed. I don't even yeah. Put that as a matter of fact, you can get on a website. They'll make you pay to read about a 2024 recruit. Hmm. They don't make you pay for a five-star 2025 recruit because they put as much stock in it as <laughs> as I, you know. Yeah. So I'm I'm just I, I'm just curious. I want to see how this ends out ends up, and uh, uh, maybe I can call in and say I told you so. I, I, I certainly you hope know, not. I, not in this case. <laughs> I, I know you don't. I, but it, it kind of makes sure. my day sometimes. I know. Thanks. But especially if Steve Steve has anything to do with it. But <laughs> hey, one thing, I am I am so mad. I am working late today. I am working overtime. I am busting my hump, and I've been doing it for thirty something years. And Gus Malzahn has made what a hundred million dollars coaching football. Yeah, yeah, somewhere in there. Yeah, I am. I am so mad. I could go. I think I could go eight and five. I really do. I think I could do it. I mean, oh, I could not believe that that and they extended his contract. Yeah, I mean, prior to the season. Yeah. Yeah. Prior? No, didn't they just extend the contract? They announced it, but the the agreement was before the season. I do not know why they did not announce it until a couple weeks ago, but uh, they they did go back and say that the the contract was signed before the season. Oh my gosh! Well, of course it was signed. He has got the best agent. I'm. What is it, Sexton? Yeah, Jimmy Sexton. Man, yeah. I wish I had a quarter of his money. Golly, that's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, but but dang. Hey, I'll let somebody else in here. I know Steve's probably on hold, so uh, I will talk to y'all later on this week. Though sounds y'all good. Have job. a great show.
Appreciate it, Jeff. That is Bye. Jeff from Columbus joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. And and look, I, I think that look you you know and see I, I understand what Jeff's point was with the with the wide receiver dynamic like your quarterbacks. <laughs> you you don't you don't know that you have a known commodity. I understand that. However, everyone acknowledges that this is not like the, the best Hugh Freeze be. can yeah. can offer, and we know that you see the you've seen the best that Hugh Freeze has to offer, right? Ole Miss with, with Ole Miss, and so again Thompson, again I get it. Alabama sent way more receivers. I you know that that line of thinking was not was not perfectly sound. However, Ole Miss sent a lot of receivers to the league too. I think he's committing and, to the coaching system, and and so you're talking about a system which again, as much as I've been screaming for. For the rest of this year, maximizing the run, uh, I still think that that's no matter what they do the rest of the year. That's not the free system. That's not what they will do once they get players in here. And you're committing to the history. You're committing to the message of freeze, the system of freeze. Yes, money, sure, but also what also guys get excited about too. And this doesn't always happen. I get he's from Arkansas, so I don't know the, the opportunities to work out together and that sort of thing. But sometimes receivers get really excited about coming into the same class as a quarterback. Yeah. That happens all the time. Yeah. You see guys get really excited, like, oh, man, we're going to light the world nice. on fire, us against the world, yeah. that sort of thing. And so having someone like White coming in here next year who is a, a top 10, 11 quarterback – with with all the services, then you're thinking if you're Perry Thompson, that's who you're playing with. And for those class, there's not many rated above him. And so you get pretty excited about that. Well, and and one of the things that I think Hugh Freeze and the staff have done a good job of is tra- is convincing these kids that you can be the foundation of what builds this. Like you can be a part of a class that everybody will look back on and go, remember that class and that's what started it all. And you being Perry Thompson – can be a key part of that because you, we already know the talent that you have, and so that, those are the things that you try to sell when you're making a re, when you're rebuilding like that. Is you sell the program, you sell the future, and you sell the fact that you can make history, that you can be something that somebody looks on years from now. If if you know if this program becomes a perennial national title contender, you can always go back and look at that 2024 class and and guys like Perry Thompson were the guys that started this whole thing and that's something these these kids love they love hearing that they also love hearing hearing phone calls from guys like dk metcalf yeah yeah (laughs) yeah, a guy who is a product of hugh freeze's system i mean it helps (laughs) yeah yeah no 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 doubt about it uh and so again that that's i know because because also steve will ask that about how could this kid go to south carolina because it happens it that question gets asked in different ways South and Carolina forms. How can so and so, right? Well, sure, but I'm saying like I'm just saying in general. Yeah, there are questions all the time. Well, why didn't he go to Auburn? Well, why did he go to Auburn? Well, why did he go here and why did he go there? Because well, also you start to run out of numbers and scholarships. Something, yeah. But also can't get them all. Uh, look, you you have way. If it was just one thing, then it would go chronologically down the order, and Alabama would just get. 10 of the top 25 and Georgia would get 10 of the top 25 and Ohio State would get four three or four of the top 25 and then you know Clemson throw in one and USC throw one we'd all have a big old like oh what a shock that is and then you just keep going down the line and line and line 
But that's not how it is because that's not the only motivation that exists. And so, anyway, that 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 is why there are some seems like some aberrations, but also the messages are important and teams do develop, get better, and, and send across different messaging. All right, we're going to go to our first timeout here of hour number two. But what we want you to do right now is call in to win four tickets to Auburn and Ole Miss inside of Jordan-Hare Stadium this week, weekend. We have four tickets available. One caller gets them, 334-887-3401 or toll-free one triple eight nine tiger nine be the first caller right now to win four tickets to auburn and ole miss this weekend inside of jordan hare stadium sports call returns after this timeout looking for another way to listen to our show be sure to download the tiger communications app and listen to sports call wherever you go I'm Jeff Whitaker Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on this Wednesday afternoon. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app, or if you listen after the fact, on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Barry, Tom Peavy with you, T.P. Hammock running the board and taking your phone calls. Congratulations to Tim for winning the four tickets to Auburn and Ole Miss. Stay tuned. A little bit later in the week, we might have one more giveaway of a pair of tickets, so stay tuned to that. It will not be today, potentially tomorrow, but congratulations to Tim for winning four tickets to Auburn and Ole Miss night game inside of Jordan-Hare Stadium versus the Ole Miss Rebels. Now let's go back to the orthopedic clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-889-TIGER-9. Next up, Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve joins us. Steve, how are you this afternoon? I'm doing great, guys. Uh, thank you for taking my phone call as always. Uh, Tom, you're on the line. And uh, Mr. Cam Barry, is that right? Well, that's yes, correct. sir. Okay. All right, guys. Um, just got back from seeing the sci-fi movie. Uh, I give it a nine. If you like sci-fi movies, you need to go see some big screen. The Creator. Yeah, I've heard about that movie. Uh, I, I think it was pretty well received. I, I myself, I have to say this, I was not as interested in this one, Steve. But maybe I'll give it a look. Give it a look. All right. Um, how about the? This is really an honor for Mr. Jalen Simpson, named AP's midseason All-American first team, guys. Yeah, I mean, he's been a uh, turnover machine, machine, and he has definitely uh, been a bright spot in the Auburn defense. Yeah, he's tied, I saw this, uh, for second place in the SEC for a uh, uh, number of interceptions. Yes. Now, uh, getting to something that uh, just continues to, to make me wonder, okay, do we need to keep saying this freeze? Uh, it's on here for all 247 Sports. He says that the uh, competition is back open the right tackle spot and talks about how thin we are uh, and going on and on. And uh, it just, I mean, it sounds uh, pretty depressing when we read his comments, guys. Um, I'm just going to ask you again uh, what's the point of him saying this? I know he likes to be candid, but sometimes, you know, this candidness goes to me a little bit, uh, you know, overboard. 
Again, I don't have a problem with it. I, guys, do you do you any of you guys have a problem with it? I've spoken on a number of times. Brooks has too. Do you nope. guys have a problem with it? No, no. problem. I really no. I, I mean, yeah, no, none of us have a problem with it, Steve. I mean, I think that um, you know there there are a couple of ways to go about stuff like that, but uh, we I don't think anyone really liked the way that Gus did it. Uh, we're just keeping it very simple and and uh, very much coach speak. Uh, and you know, I, I'm sure. I mean, I know he talks about the talent gap a lot, but that exists and it doesn't cease to exist because we're in game seven now versus game two or three. Um, so, I mean, yeah, you could I, you can still debate whether it should be as public as it's been, but it's still true. Period. I mean, it's still true. So, no, I've I've not had a big problem with it. No. Okay. Well, I guess the only um, problem I have with it is you know here's his quote. He says, "We're thin at a lot of places." It's affecting the way we practice. Okay, yeah, we all know that. And it shows up some on Saturdays, unfortunately. He says, this is part of Willie, I'm not sure what the answer is. Um, come on, you're the head coach. Uh, you don't know what the answer is? Well, see, that's, that's him protecting. That part of it, that's the little way you protect your current players. He does know what the answer is. The answer is better players. But he is not saying it that uh, that directly. So no, he does. I mean, that's that's where you have to protect your guys a little bit, and that's the line that he chooses to walk on, where he acknowledges the talent gap, but says, you know what, we're still going to try to coach better, we're going to try to play better, and, and that sort of thing. When he says something like that, that's him avoiding saying the real, final, truthful, uh, most hurtful part of it. Whereas, yeah, these are just not the guys that are going to be able to win you a sh- championship. Okay, I can buy that. So um, you're, you're saying. I probably uh, should have read in between the lines on that. Yeah, and, and look, it, he's walking a tightrope because he is trying to be as, as truthful and a little less coach speak as, as some of these other guys. But at some point, yeah, there is a certain level of honesty you can't reach. Uh, and, and look, he's still taking uh, certainly a portion of the blame and saying they got to coach better and they got to game plan better and that sort of thing. Um, and, and I know the references to talent have happened plenty of times throughout the year. Uh, but there's still a, a little bit of a, a difference there in saying, yeah, we just need more talent versus, yeah, these guys just are not the guys. Like, we, like you know, they, they just can't do anything. There are still levels to it, and he's just trying to obtain the, the best level where he can mix being open and honest with not being hurtful to the players. Yeah, guys, do you think uh, this has any negative motivational impact on the players? Uh, no one, I'm sure they know they read this. I wouldn't think so. I mean, look, if they start to not play hard, then that would be a sign that it did. But I was going to ask you about that, Ryan. Do you think this team is beginning to mail it in? No. I know. I, no. I wouldn't say that. I think that LSU is a great offensive team that overwhelmed Auburn. I don't think that it was for Auburn not giving a crap. Um, I don't think it was that at all. So, no. But I, I think that these guys, the reason to play hard is simple. There's a lot on the line. There's not just an NFL future on the line for a few. There's NIL money for a lot. There's opportunities to still earn your place on this team for future years. That's not like all these guys are seniors or anything or out of options. There's some guys that might want to hit the portal at the end of the day. There are plenty of motivations from all types up and down the roster. Okay, fair enough. All right. Um, and by the way, just trying to. And by the way, you know when you play a game like Alabama at the end of the year, or you play. Some of these SEC teams you don't like, you you want some pride on prides on the line too. I mean, that's just the old traditional. Hey, we 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 don't like the feeling of losing. Let's do something about it. And I hope that that really is 
uh, you know, their motivation. Uh, and just real quickly, uh, respond to uh, Jeff, um, your, your tip to slight, you know, Auburn uh, is duly noted there, Jeff. Uh, however, as you said, Ryan, and you guys also, you know, there are a lot of different reasons why a five-star would want to come to Auburn. First, Auburn's not Vanderbilt of football, at least not yet. And, you know, uh, there's some five-stars inside. You know what, I like the coaching staff here, and if I go to Alabama or Georgia some other, you know, I may I may never see the, the light of day, you know, on the field with all the ones that they've got, you know, trying to get on, right? So I get maybe more playing time. Uh, that's another one. And uh, I can always, you know, backtrack and lean back on Mrs. Mark Stoops' comments. Hey, maybe we just outbid Georgia and uh, Alabama or some other team, right? Yeah, and, and what mm-hmm. and that's what Jeff was implying, and we were just simply saying there are other possibilities yeah. in play there too. Uh, I mean, they, they've talked about um, – you know, one of the things that you freeze, and it, it's something that the, that the staffs here at Auburn always promote, is you know that that unity, the family type unity, and, and you hear guys like Nick Saban and Kirby Smart, and of course it works obviously because they've had crazy recruiting classes. It it you know for there it's it, it's a business, and and you know you go there, and I think a lot of times these players and they're told, and they may start thinking you know if I go to Alabama or if I go to Georgia, I'm just another player. I'm just another piece of of this, and you know I'm kind of just in this factory that's just churning these players up. Right. I'm just I'm just another piece. I'm just another piece of the factory. I can go to Auburn, and it's more personable. They you know they they know me. They know my name. They they're you know there's a lot more one on one. It's more comfortable, more family. Those are the types of things that Hugh Freeze sells, and these players, not all of them, but there's a lot of players that eat that up. They don't want to be in just a football factory where they're just another face in the in the crowd and the long line of guys that have come in and out of there, they can actually come here, it'd be more personable, and they can actually be a guy that sets the foundation for the future. And having said that, thank you for those comments. Uh, there's actually a four-star committed so far Texas quarterback uh, for a 2025 class by the name of K.J. Lacey, who is from Saraland, down my way, uh, who is now seriously – reconsidering his commitment, and they're looking at Auburn again. Because what? Um, he says the visits that he's had since Freeze has been there uh, to him have changed his viewpoint uh, about Auburn. Uh, so I thought that was an interesting take. Yeah, well, and also you got to remember, too, even for 2025, guys, with how early you recruit guys now, I mean, you're recruiting at least two classes at one time, if not the inner workings of a third. So last year for guys at 25, you're already if you're 2020, I mean if you're 2022, you're starting to at least contact guys. You're not recruiting them hard. It's still three years out. But even last year, you're starting to grow the foundation. You're just trying to just to start a foundation there. And then in 23, then you work on it. Then you start to get the gears rolling. And then by 24, you hope to get the commitment because that's commitment times the end of 2024 for the 2025 guys. So this is a two, almost three-year process. Well, here Freeze wasn't here for the very beginning of the process. And so it doesn't put Auburn necessarily that far behind because, again, it's just the very early ages of the 25 process. 
but it does have the ability to have other people to start on guys, right? And so over the last several months, as Freeze has uh, done what he could with the 23 class, then started to make these big gains on 24 to the point where Auburn's in the top 15, top 16 in the rankings there, then you transition into, okay, well, this is not just a year-by-year process. Let's now get into the nuts and bolts of 25. And that's when you've seen, again, Auburn got a commitment the other day in 2025's class, uh, and they continue to work on these guys. And so the, it is a long, drug-out process. These guys want to be recruited hard. They want to go on all these visits, talk to all these people. They make it a big – it's a huge, huge process. So – it is not going to shock me that Auburn continually ups the game in their recruiting efforts for these next couple of years and that they have guys that, look, I mean, the, their biggest commitments, the biggest commitments Auburn have for 2024 are guys that had already committed elsewhere with Perry Thompson and with Demarcus Riddick. And so it is not going to shock me if Auburn flips a 25 guy or two or guys that seemed like Auburn was not really in the mix, they then get in the mix. That will continue to happen here because of even 25 is a little bit of a residual effect of a lack of good recruiting into 2022. And, you know, this is what uh, I was struck by his comment quoted for 2RSM Sports reporter. He said, the weekend of the Georgia games, just seeing how they competed with Georgia was really impressive to me. He says, going up to the game, I wanted to see how it was because the game I went to last year wasn't too good. I came back this year, and it was a whole different vibe, end of quote. Yeah. A whole different vibe. Absolutely. Um, so that's part of your answer there, Jeff, if you were struggling, why would a four- or five-star quarterback want to come or any player uh, to Auburn? All right. Uh, let's go to Mr. Travon, mature Travon Reed, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'd love, if I had a bit of a phone, I'd say, so define mature for me, Travon. <laughs> well, I mean, but, uh, he's got a big really family horrible. unit going, yeah. Yeah, it was really enjoyable uh, to hear him on the phone. I'm glad he uh, made the time to, to talk to you guys. All right, move on real quickly, guys. A scene of levity. I told you guys I was bring this up because I don't know who this guy is, but I got a laugh out of it. Uh, the, the name of the player is, uh, 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 okay, Adam Butler. He spent four seasons with New England, with New England uh, Patriots, right? And uh, after the game was over, apparently this weekend, he seemed a little bit slighted that uh, Mr. Belichick didn't acknowledge him, didn't wave to him. In fact, he says on video, why he says he didn't come up to me and say, "Kiss my ass." He said, uh, so "He said I, I don't get it, you know." So I was wondering, guys, what had Adam Butler feel like? You know, uh, the Belichick, you know, was sliding him. I mean, there are other people who played for Belichick who now are with other teams and they played, you know, and seen him on the field. Uh, can you give me some education? Why did Adam Butler feel the need to uh, put this on video and to uh, feel like he was fired by Belichick? I, I mean, I, I I don't think that's a big deal. I mean, I I sure you want to see say hi to your old coach. Yeah, but, I think that's what he really. I think he just expected yeah. some acknowledgement from his old coach. It might have hurt yeah. him just a little bit. That's all. Yeah, it was on a local CBS News affiliate uh, channel. I said, well, let me see what you know, what is he saying here. You know. He said he spent four years with him. So I thought, okay, that, that was pretty funny. He said, to remind me, it's sort of like, you know, uh, the uh, uh, Christmas vacation when, you know, uh, forgot, uh, you know um, Chevy Chase being slighted. He says, kiss my ass, kiss your ass. So I thought when he said that was pretty funny. All right, this is for you, Tom. All right. You like odd things? Well, this is an oddity. 
Cisconti. Right. This comes from Cornell University. And what caught my eye is that their coins hit the land on the same side they started. After this is the research decided to do this, okay, they flipped 350,757 coins. Okay. Okay. To want to find out if it mattered or not statistically if you have a particular side being flipped, does it impact or not the outcome of the coin toss? And so they did it. And here's what they found out. That when you flip an ordinary coin, it tends to land on the same side it started 51% of the time. Hmm. Okay. So it's still, still about 50-50. Well, it's actually a little bit better uh, because he said... Statistically, it should be just 50-50. Uh, but it says, authority, what they found after, how many 350,000 flips, that if you take the coin and that side is what you're going with, and you flip it, it's 51% of the time going to turn over on the same side that it was originally showing before you flipped it. So if it's heads, which quite often that's what they do uh, in college and NFL, right? Uh, it's 51% of the time you should go with that side. So I thought that was pretty interesting statistical uh, information that I, I just thought would have been random. I, I, uh, yeah. It's still, it's, it's, the thing, it's still, it's still uh, too close to, just, it's, <laughs> it's still too yeah. close to like bet on that. I mean, it, it's still 50 yeah. 50 no matter what. I mean, it may be, okay. it may well, be 51-49. If you said 60-40, we'd be, now we'd be talking. Right. Like 1% is still a very small percentage. Well, not statistically, okay? Uh, this is not me, guys. The researchers concluded uh, with this comment. I, Our data provides strong evidence that when some, but not all, people flip a fair coin, it tends to land on the same side it started. Okay. I'm and really, said, I yeah, my wife's data compelling been statistical support. Uh, for uh, the model of coin tossing. So there you have If you didn't want to know it, now you do know it. All right. All right, and finally, guys, someone uh, from Mail.com by the name of Joseph Goodman. Oh, yeah, no, he's not someone. He Yeah, he, he writes a lot, yeah. Did you did you hear what he said about the Ole Miss game? Yes. And Lane it, Kiffin? Yeah, it was kind of a satirical yeah rant session. If Lane yeah. Kiffin loses to Auburn Saturday, he should be fired on the spot and never hired again. Never hired again to coach college or high school football in the U.S. of, of America. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, and the, I think he sent him off to Iceland or somewhere later in the article. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I don't think we have no reasonable chance of winning this game. But one of the old Miss sports writers for 247 Sports uh, was interviewed uh, by Nathan King, and he made predictions. And he says, <laughs> now, come on, really? 38-17, to 17, he says, uh, Ole Miss uh, should win. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. You guys see differently. I mean, I think it's possible. I mean, I, I, I think that if Auburn's offense is going to stutter all game, Auburn's defense will not hold Ole Miss forever, even at home. Now, I think that at home you're hoping for a better output. You're hoping that Ole Miss does not play great defense themselves. But is that in the range of possible outcomes? Absolutely. But is it likely? Is it likely? I, I would say likely would be a little closer than that. I think the line's only like six and a half or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but I still think likely is as about yeah, about 14 points, something in there. Okay. All right. That's all I got, guys. And, again, 
I loved uh, that you had Mr. T. Reed on there. Uh, tell him uh, Ward MC says hello and Ward M. Eagle. Absolutely, will do. All right, guys, you have a good afternoon and evening. And uh, if, you, again, if you haven't seen Creative, you might make some time to see it. It's a good movie. But that's it. Or you guys, talk to you tomorrow. Or you'll see. Appreciate that phone call as always. That is retired Ward M. Steve joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We will head to another timeout. We'll start to wrap up the second hour of the show when we come back. And again, reminder at 5.15 today, we will have Joe Barnell of RotoWire to talk some fancy football. We'll get into a little bit of NFL football in the meantime as you're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Camberry, Tom Peavy with you here uh, on this Wednesday edition of the program. T.P. Hammock is running the board, taking your phone calls. This will be his last segment with us because he is going to go out to the high school coaches show, which is right after the conclusion of our show today, 6 o'clock to about 8 or 8.30, right here on Tiger 95.9. Of course, Brooks Childress hosts that show, and T.P. will join him tonight want you to hear from all the good high school coaches in the area, get you caught up as the high school football season getting closer to a conclusion. Only a couple more weeks left before the playoffs, so we want you to listen to that. Again, the coaches show coming up right after our show from the End Zone Bar and Grill. Go see the fine folks over there just a couple miles from our Tiger Communications studios. All right, a few minutes left here in hour number two. Again, coming up in the third hour of the program, Joe Bartle of RotoWire will join us, talk some more fantasy football, get the pulse of you guys' fantasy teams uh, just prior to that. Want to talk a little NFL, though, from the non-fantasy perspective here to end the second hour of the program. Oh, the, boy. The Are you referencing the NFC South? Yes. The fact, yeah. The, the <laughs> NFC Louth replaced oh. the S with an L yeah, yeah, last yeah. weekend. For sure. Uh, that certainly did not go well. I find it funny. TP will appreciate this. I'm going to bring this up on tomorrow's show, too. Spoiler alert. Yesterday, just to educate you two fine gentlemen, uh, on Thursday's show of last week, I think I just said yesterday, last week's show, I we did an exercise. We went through the Eagles and the 49ers schedule, and we said, okay, find the first loss of the season. It'll happen. Right. No one's going undefeated here. Right. It's not 70 Dolphins or whatever, 72 Dolphins, whatever. Yeah, for sure. But find us the first loss. And then they both week. went ahead and yeah. did it. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't last week. Not to the sure. teams we thought they'd do. <laughs> Absolutely a, not. A uh, Deshaun Watson-less yeah. Browns team for the 49ers. No Deshaun. And no the Aaron Rodgers-less New York Jets, just as we all had it. 
Right. So pretty pretty chaotic stuff. Oh my gosh, just so chaotic, man. I, I was not expecting that. Honestly, I do feel like San Francisco got the short end of the stick on a couple plays. Um, they got called for I think it was like on a third down. Um, on a uh, they they got called for a uh, just a, a personal foul. Yeah, roughing just um, illegal hit. Like yeah, conduct, yeah, unfortunate conduct, and uh, that was a clean hit. Uh, after seeing the replay, and that's something that I guess was non-reviewable, so they couldn't take it back, anything like that. So uh, that ended up giving or extending the Browns' drive and and um, giving them an opportunity to win the game. Even though the the Forty ers did end up, you know, having a chance to win, and it was just off a kit, off a missed field goal attempt, which you know you always hate that. And then I'm sure somewhere Skip uh, Skip was saying ban kickers from football for this exact <laughs> reason. Um, so that, but it, that it was surprising that they were in a low scoring game. I know they lost Christian McCaffrey. I know Debo Samuel also went out. So you lose two of your top weapons, and and Trent Williams went out too. So three of your top players on offense you, that that never helps you at all. Um, but definitely not. You know, probably still should have been able to beat the Browns. Uh, and then, you know, with the Eagles, they've just not. You know, Jalen Hurts has really struggled. They haven't played oh. the cleanest games uh, throughout this season. Uh, so you, you could tell that it was going to to break at some point. Uh, but the three, you know, the three interceptions from Jalen, especially one where I was like, what are you looking at? Just oh. in a straight up double coverage. You know, it, it was it was not very uh, not very productive. I know the Jets do have a good defense and they shut down the run game, which uh, really caused Philadelphia to struggle and kept it low scoring. And and that gave them an opportunity to win the game. So that was uh, definitely, um, definitely interesting to see overall. But, uh, yeah, uh, definitely a doozy. Yeah. What do you think, man? I mean, are you uh, starting uh, any any concerns building for those teams? Uh, well, I mean, uh, injuries, injuries, yeah. injuries <laughs> with the 49ers, uh, definitely you, you've got to be concerned there. Uh, the Eagles, I, I don't know. I mean, I've, I feel like it was just one of those days. It was a bad outing. Yeah. I mean, the jets have a, I, I don't know if I want to say good defense. No, they a, do. No, absolutely. Is it? Is absolutely. It, yeah. Really? Jets having a good defense. Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah. Oh, Jets having yes, absolutely. Okay. I was yes. like, is it good or is it just like oh, no. kind of it's like better than think okay. they would have won seven or eight no, games with Zach Wilson? Oh yeah, well, they, they yeah, have true. had a good defense <laughs> for the last two years at least. Yeah, you got two lockdown corners. They uh, have solid safety play. Their D line is one of the right. best in the NFL. Um, and they still That's weird. There's just one that I don't think about, I guess. Oh, man. I, I think about the Niners' defense, Steelers' defense. Their defense you know. is good. Well, I mean, the Eagles' defense is, was still pretty good as well. It, it wasn't as good as it was last year, but um, the Eagles still have a pretty solid defense. Their secondary is a little lacking behind uh, – you know, outside of uh, Darius Slay, you know, I probably I feel like they should have tried to hold on to uh, C.J. Gardner Johnson, but uh, you know, it, it just is what it is. Uh, he went and got paid, so no. you know that's fine. Well, uh, I, but yeah, they the Jets, uh, yeah, legit defense. Yeah, well, and and then they they showed it. Uh, you know, they it just felt like the Eagles just never could get anything going. It just it never it it looked a lot like Auburn's offense where it was ju- it was it was very. Uh, slow, just very lethargic. slow, yeah. very just th- nothing happening. Uh, you couldn't get, you couldn't get consistent chunk plays. You just, it was just kind of blah. Yeah. And then when it came down to it, and you had a chance to actually get down there, you and and try to win the game, you can't get it done. I mean, yeah. it, you just you get nothing. Yeah. Uh, 
So, yeah, you know, I, I still think that the Eagles and the Niners are still my favorites to, to go from the NFC. I, I mean, they, nothing has changed there with that unless unless injuries oh, big time yeah. start piling up. You know, they're still the two favorites. Um, Lions, they're I, coming. Hey, the I told you. Lions are coming. I, when we talked preseason, when we talked preseason. Lions are coming. And, and of course, I can't take my own credit for that. I, I did some research, but I saw where – they were talking about Lions because I would have not even thought about the Lions until Lions I saw legit. a writer talking about how good the Lions might be. And I just mentioned them kind of like because we were talking about playoffs, right, like who's going right. to win divisions and things like yeah. that. And I said, like, keep an eye out for the Lions because according to what I'm reading here, they've got stuff that's set up pretty good. And yeah. here we go. Um, they're, <laughs> they're playing some pretty good football. And uh, the Detroit fans are – uh, actually have something to be excited about, something that they don't normally get to be excited about yeah. as their football team. That is true. And you uh, got to see them so, live. Uh, got to, yes. Um, <laughs> I was actually very disappointed in – That wasn't I, a I great offensive performance. I hate to say this. I was really I, – I cannot believe I'm saying this. So Eagles beat Tampa and Tampa. Lions beat Tampa and Tampa. The Lions fans were bigger butts than the Eagles. Really? 100%. Really? They 100%. It was awful. Wow. wow. It was yeah. to the point where I was almost wishing the Lions ill will. And I like the Lions. I don't like the Packers. And right. I don't, and Bears are fine, but they're not irrelevant this year. And Vikings are pretty bad. Like, it's going to be right. the Lions. But I was almost – I've, I've – cooler heads have prevailed in the aftermath. <laughs> but, yeah, they right. were way worse than Eagles fans. That's they were coming down the aisles, right. taunting uh, all the Bucks fans, looking at the scoreboard, blah, blah, blah. Wow. Um, way worse wow. than just the normal because Eagles fans did a little bit of that. Yeah, but it was almost like the classic like it's a fan base that has done it before and a fan base that has not done it before right. is what I chalk it up to. It was very disappointing. And there was, was a, and there was a lot of Detroit and, fans and there, there. There's a lot of blue in that stadium. And there's always going to be a lot of road fans. And right. uh, there were more Eagles fans than Lions fans. Like, oh, Eagles really? were fifty fifty. Lions were about 35, 65, 40, okay. 60, something like that. Wow. But obviously, as the Bucks leave, then the Lions all right. come down. And, sure. And that sort of thing. I was I was disappointed, but the Lions are a really good football team. Yeah, they are. And uh, and Goff has has really changed the narrative on him post LA. And uh, Dan Campbell's still awesome. So, And we've got more NFL to talk about. We'll talk about it prior to Joe Bartle coming on at 5.15. Have some more NFL thoughts for you here on this Wednesday edition of the program. Again, uh, T.P. Hammock has been running the board, taking calls. He will depart us and get ready for the High School Coach Show. Appreciate his work today. We'll take uh, this end-of-hour timeout. Back with more in hour number three. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ Tuskegee Auburn, and AM620 WTRP LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. 
Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Cam Barry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday. Really beautiful day on the plains today. We certainly are hoping and expecting that kind of weather too on Saturday. Few minutes left before we get to Joe Bartle of RotoWire, as he'll give us some more uh, big time fantasy questions. Um, some ones that I have, or we might hit on, we might not, might not have time. Uh, really interested in this Deshaun Watson injury because yeah. it just seemed like it was he was going to end up being fine, and now he's been out two games plus a bye week and could miss more time cleveland's not a bad football team they have an excellent defense too they do you, you know what's ironic guys is like it feels like a lot of the teams that have the good defenses have yes. the injured starting quarterbacks yeah they you really know? do don't they that's that's weird uh i i don't know it seemed it's been very uh you know the offenses haven't been very very explosive this year you know the defenses have been really pretty good i would say for the most part a lot a good amount of the defenses outside of you know like chicago washington doesn't have a good defense um uh the rams are okay you know on defense arizona and eh, you know the, the you know those kind of teams they the kind of lower teams they don't have as good defense but overall like defense has been pretty good in the nfl uh, and i know obviously like you're saying well does the nfl but like yeah, they, as much as we praise yeah, these quarterbacks right. for not just having a field exactly. day. Yeah. Exactly. Like They're Herbert's not, t- not going and cooking Dallas on no, Monday night. No, you know, and, not at and all. Mahomes has looked a little more human without yes. star wide receivers. Absolutely. It's been it's been very interesting to see, you know, as the season progresses, how these quarterbacks are going to be able to adjust to these uh, defense that are, are really getting after it. You see a, a decent amount of, of even just secondary talent too. Um, you know, uh, being able to be shown and, and, and capitalized upon. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's definitely interesting to see um, how these defenses, you know, will play out. And again, like you said, the quarterbacks, it, it'll be interesting to see how they're going to be able to adjust. Um, so I, I'm loving this season so far. The Falcons are three and three and that, you know, Take pains it really me. Bit, yeah. yeah. Pains me. I, we've been three and three for the last now three seasons is how we've started out. So I'd, I'd like to, I'd like to win, <laughs> uh, have a have a continuous winning record, you know. But uh, uh, hopefully the the Falcons they figure it out. So we'll see. Um, bad loss against against Washington at home. That was a rough one. But uh, big big one against Tampa on uh, on Sunday. So that'll that'll be a, a fun watch. I'm gonna be locked in wherever I am to that. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that that's definitely a big one. I've I've seen every kind of game actually. I, I've seen three yeah. Tampa Atlanta games. Uh, in Tampa, and I have seen Jameis Winston throw a pick six to end the season. Remember that Atlanta. One. I remember that. I saw them kind of destroy Matt Ryan, the older version of Matt Ryan, where they threw like th- two pick sixes late, and the also Bucks won by three one. touchdowns. Pain. And then last year, the Bucks got out to a lead, and Atlanta came back. 21 15 i oh, think yeah I mean, almost yeah had a oh to win and that, that was that that yeah. was the hit grady jared yeah. and and yeah Gabe yep. Tom got the yep. 15 yard penalty it was huge so yep. um i i've seen them all i've seen close bucks i guess i've not seen a falcons blowout 
and I don't want to. Uh, but, but, <laughs> but, but, uh, it's but, not going to happen on Sunday, I'll tell you that much. It'll, uh, Sunday will be a close game either way. Uh, but so, yeah, no, I've had the history there. That's also, you see a team enough, though, you'll see it all, because I think that's kind of how it's gone with New Orleans, too, where I've seen New Orleans kick Tampa's at. Uh, but I've seen, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Steve, Steve got me on one there. Uh, I've seen New Orleans beat Tampa 9-0. to zero. Right. In the all-time oh, Big Ten Bowl. Gross. And I've seen Tampa win at the buzzer, basically, on New Orleans and have a comeback. So these South games, you play them long enough, you'll you'll see all the, the different kind of results. But, uh, yeah, that division's impossible to predict. It could be any of the uh, Tampa, New Orleans, or, or Atlanta uh, at this point. Yeah. They're all going to have a shot at it. We were talking before the break that whoever messes up and loses the Carolinas uh, is probably going to be a team weed out one team that way. Carolina will beat somebody. They won't go 0-17. Dude, um, I just I don't know who it, who it's going to be. You never do, he, but again, if because it's going to come out of nowhere. I know this may not be perfect logic, but if teams in the middle of the NFL like Cleveland and New York are going to go beat the very best teams in the right. NFL, then teams in the middle can lose to the bottom. Yeah. So so and, and no nobody in NFC South is a top seven or eight team no. in the NFL, Dude. and someone might get to like tenth or something, but they're not top six seven teams, and so. They're all kind of in that 10 or 11 to 20 range. We'll see how they all kind of fit out the end. But uh, that's certainly in the range that, that could be upset by somebody. But, yeah, I want one more word on the, on the quarterbacks across the league because I was thinking about how, how much do you end up changing your perception of a quarterback, how quickly it goes, how do you determine the, the results of a third or a half of a season versus of years of what you've seen? Because – like we've seen, and I'm not going on some hot take factory here. That's not that's not my aim. But right, like, right. just in a vacuum, someone like Burrow, who has dealt with injuries this year, he has not played very good football. If you just showed someone this year of Joe Burrow, you're like, yeah, that's not that good of a quarterback. We know Joe Burrow's a really good quarterback, right, though. We're right. we're not going there. But I'm just simply saying, eh, you know, he's not like like not this year's not great. But right. I, historically, I'm saying like, yeah, no, he's still elite, still awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone like Jalen Hurts, who just came off a, a MVP type of season last right, year, right? You know, he has not played well this year, mm-hmm. and um, has was the was part of the cause of their loss. Obviously, good defense he played, sure, but yeah, still, you expect picks. a good quarterback you not to do that, right? right. So, uh, not necessarily playing to his expectation level. You have someone on the lower end of things um, who is now risen because this is his second year. Someone like Jared Goff, who was valued coming into Detroit like as a golf. bottom third quarterback in the league. Right, right. And now he's clearly not that. He's producing like a top five quarterback yes, in the league. Absolutely. I don't know where you you put him in all the, the pedestal, but I'm just saying like I find it interesting because it feels like a lot of those perceived top five or six guys are not necessarily the top five to six production guys right, this year. Right. And I'm just curious kind of how that all gels in the brains and how that has to do with like if you have still a current ranking versus still an overall ranking, you go, yeah. you try to break it down like that. I don't know. I just have trouble um, with that. I, you know, I, I think with the quarterbacks, I, unless they're just absolutely stinking it up, you know, I try to stick with what I've got. So, for instance, all right, so Lamar Jackson, he's been fine. He, he's, you know, he's been perfectly yeah. fine. He has not put up gaudy uh, fantasy numbers. Right. They, they've been okay. Right. Um, but it just it hasn't been great. But however, I'm not going to get rid of him because 
Right. I mean, he is he's capable at any moment of setting it on fire. For sure. And, and so you got to keep him because he is good. Um, but see, he's he's one that you know. To me, it's one of those. I I've even asked Joe Bartle about him. Because that was the discussion is because, you know, what is his fantasy value? Because he just was not putting up a whole lot of fantasy points. Having a good season. Still a, you know, still a top 10 quarterback in fantasy. Sure. Uh, so I'll but, take that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, his rushing from the fantasy perspective, for sure. Right. But even the passing production. Has, has I was, gone up. I, well, the yards, yes. But he, here's what I was looking at. TDs and interceptions yeah. is how funny things right. are. If I just told you these numbers blindly, because Lamar's 17th in the league in passing yards per game, so it's right. not like he's lighting it he up. Lighten up. Right. Yeah. So he's five t- TDs to three picks right. in six games. Well, Derek Carr is five TDs, three picks. You know who has six touchdowns and three picks? Josh Dobbs. Josh Dobbs, yeah. <laughs> you know, Baker Mayfield, seven and three. Justin Fields basically doubles the Jackson production in both ways, 11 TDs, six picks. Right. One win. And, and, yeah, exactly. And it's like, well, there's not vastly different uh, yardages here because, again, like I said with Lamar, he's averaging just over 200 yards a game. Fields is also at 200 yards a game. Mayfield's at 217. Carr's at 216. They're all between 200 and 217 yeah. yards. It's like if you just – that's why numbers can be misleading sometimes because and, – well, and also it just fits in there too of yeah. the, the production – not being there as as high from some of the star guys. Burrow was down there too. He's 18th in the league in yards. Cincinnati throws it all the time. You'd think yeah. Burrow would always be top five or seven in the league. Right, yeah, and and I really do think it has to do with the system because some quarterbacks play better in, in some systems than others, right? Um, like Jared Goff is doing really well in the system that – that uh, their offensive coordinator Ben Johnson has built, and and I mean he's just thriving in it. They put together a solid, a really good offensive line to protect Jared, and the routes are are for the most part quick and and easy to get out. You have Amon Ross St. Brown who's able to just kind of get open on a whim, and that's your go-to guy. Now you have a guy like Laporta who's very um, who's very reliable as well. So it's able to, you're able to really just feed off of that. You don't have to have Jared doesn't have to make a whole lot of decisions, but he's playing better. He is, you know, he's he's able to he's he's developed a little bit more. I I I I just think you know I think it's time with McVay over with the Rams. I think it's just kind of ran out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it, it ran its course. Yeah, it gave him a base. Yes, so. it did. Yeah. It did give him a good base. And I, I I still think he's. I mean, I think he's a highly competent quarterback. And I don't think they're going to go with anybody else at this point. I think he's proven that he can continue and and uh, be a a good and viable option for them at quarterback. So I I like what he's done. But overall, with the systems, you can tell like even with Mahomes, like the system has changed. He's they've gone away from Eric Bieniemy and he's now in in Washington and. The offense just isn't as potent because, and maybe maybe now that they've got Miko Hardman, that that'll help some. But they just don't have. It just it's just not clicking right now. So it's it's interesting to see. And then with Burrow, I think he's just not healthy. A little gimpy and yeah, yeah having some issues there. We are out of time for this segment. We need to get to a timeout because on the other side of this timeout, Joe Bartle of RotoWire will join us talk some fantasy football. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger ninety five point nine. Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday. And we are now excited to go back to our orthopedic clinic phone line where we work, welcome on Joe Bartle of RotoWire. Of course, you can use RotoWire for all of your fancy needs, the football, baseball, and basketball, and, and all kinds of fancy stuff throughout the year. Joe, as always, the time is greatly appreciated. How are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, hoping. We get a little bit more offense this week for Week 7, although I looked at the over-unders, uh, and I think nine of the 13 games have an over-under under 44 points, which unfortunately echoes what I think is going to be a bad week of football. So we could just talk the fantasy angle. Maybe that will be better. Than <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, and actually we were just talking a little bit about the, the NFL and about uh, some of the big-time quarterbacks not necessarily lighting it up a little bit. Also, I want to start off with the fantasy world talking a little bit, though, about uh, some of these injuries. As Again, that, that also plays a, a crucial role in it. And the Cleveland situation just continues to be confusing with, with Deshaun Watson's injury report and that sort of thing and kind of winning off a of defense. They have a couple real weapons there, but I imagine their value has steadily gone down here as they've had to kind of play quarterback roulette. Yeah, it's really interesting because uh, Nick Chubb's injury, you thought in week three or week four, whatever it was, was also going to be the downfall of the offense. And Jerome Ford has been pretty good from a waiver wire perspective. If you invest a lot of your waiver wire budget into him, I don't think you've been too disappointed, especially with all the other injuries that have occurred at running back. And Kareem Hunt had a good game last week, too, another guy in that same vein. It's, it's really interesting for this week. I don't even think Deshaun Watson made it into our Tuesday podcast and probably should have because – uh, especially in super flex leagues, you're thinking about from a quarterback perspective, what who starts and, and does that matter? And, and even to your point, Amari Cooper specifically was like a fourth or fifth round pick in most uh, typical redraft leagues. And I don't know if you, his value has tanked to a level that you could go ahead and acquire him via trade, especially if you assume Watson's going to miss more uh, than just last week and this week. But it, it does kind of compound upon itself as well. And the Browns still beating the 49ers speaks to that this team could be competitive regardless. I, I would assume uh, that anyone outside of Amari Cooper, you could more or less just say, I want nothing to do with. Maybe da- maybe David Njoku, given the tight end position overall uh, and the fantasy implications. But it does it does feel a lot trickier, you know, from the pass, catchings, the pass catchers uh, if it's Deshaun Watson out for a long time. I mean, I think we saw the report today that he was trying to liken what happened to Anthony Richardson and his eventual season-ending surgery to what Watson's dealing with now. And I don't know because of how the Browns have really operated over the past three weeks, if that is true or not. And I think that also adds to the, the mystery element of this as, as well. And then, Joe, looking uh, at the Lions, obviously David Montgomery is going to be out for a few weeks with the rib cartilage injury. So Jameer Gibbs is now coming off, I think it was a hamstring injury. Um, do you think now that they're, they're going to really feature him in the offense, or do you, do you still think that they're going to kind of use him sparingly in the way that they've done before? Do you think he's going to have a big workload upcoming these next few weeks or no? Yeah, uh, as somebody that has David Montgomery in a few leagues that are pretty consequential, I hope it's not a some leagues, or I'm sorry, some weeks, and it's, it's one week. <laughs> I don't think we really know yet how long Montgomery's going to be out. It sounds kind of like Christian McCaffrey, uh, the same vein. I'm sure we'll talk about him in a second. But McCaffrey is sooner to play this week than Montgomery is. But I'm not saying, I'm assuming he's going to be out three weeks, which is maybe the long end of whatever the timeline the Lions have given. Uh, we had this situation with Montgomery, and I think it's either week two or week three, and Jameer Gibbs got 17 carries, hadn't seen a combined total of my carries any other point the rest of the season. 
I don't know if we go back to that, though. I think Craig Reynolds is going to be a thing, and especially coming off a two-week absence in the case of Jameer Gibbs. The Lions, rightly or wrongly, and I would say wrongly, if I'm the one building the team, do not want to jeopardize their asset, especially uh, one that they really have a specific role for, as we saw with DeAndre Swift in past seasons, as, and we're seeing with Jameer Gibbs now. So, no, I don't think he actually has uh, guaranteed three-down back value. I think Craig Reynolds is going to be around. I'm surprised Leonard Fournette hasn't signed with the Lions either. Like That feels like a perfect marriage to me. Fournette, I think, is still capable enough back, but at worst is like 45% version of David Montgomery as a goal line ball carrier and a pass catcher. That that just seems like a one-for-one obvious trade-off, but I don't know why uh, that market hasn't materialized in the same way that you'd expect. So I'm uh, assuming Jameer Gibbs is the clear-cut favorite, and I think Craig Reynolds or someone else might also be a factor uh, for this week and beyond if he misses more time. Uh, <clears throat> talking about some uh, somebody else that has dealt with some injuries and uh, hits a little close to home here for you, but uh, the running back situation with the Packers right now, uh, Aaron Jones, what, what are you hearing? His thoughts are your thoughts on his return, and then uh, how do you handle that if you've got AJ Dillon in the mix? Yeah, I mean this goes back to Week Four now with the Lions. So they, they played against the Bears, had the hamstring injury. Uh, Aaron Jones didn't play against the Falcons Week Two, and then I think it was uh, Saints Week Three. He was able to play, didn't really do a whole lot. And then you're like, well, Thursday uh, you would want to have him for that Thursday night game against the Lions, and they chose not to. You're like, huh. Okay, maybe it's a short week. They're trying to have him be careful. Doesn't play against the Raiders, then it's like, wow, something must really be wrong. Or they're just being extra precautious uh, with the bye week that was coming up. So now, with essentially 21 days of rest, more or less, I'm anticipating Aaron Jones is back to normal, that they signed James Robinson um, yesterday. I I hope isn't a precursor to Jones missing more time. He did practice unlimited fashion today uh, and yesterday, which is always a good sign. However, we had that same cadence two weeks ago against the Raiders Monday night, and then he was eventually a scratch kind of the last second. So it's all trending towards him playing. I would love if he was just a full participation in practice all week, and I'm a little concerned that it hasn't just happened that way. But there has been no indication from the Packers side of things that he's going to be out long-term. And if he was going to be, if they envisioned this scenario, they would have probably put him on injury reserve uh, right when that injury happened against the Bears. And now looking at the Miami Dolphins situation, obviously uh, their, their running back situation, uh, obviously Raheem Mostert is taking a lot of the snaps with uh, with Devon uh, Achan um, out for four weeks or now three weeks since he's been on IR. Uh, they have Jeff Wilson Jr. who's probably going to be activated off IR this week. Do you think that he's going to get a decent amount of touches? He's a pretty solid running back, so I would assume so, but I know it's probably still going to be Mostert's running back room, correct? Yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, at the beginning of the season, I wasn't really in on Devon Achan because I, I assumed when Jeff Wilson was going to come off injured reserve, and it really was around this time period, week seven or eight, basically uh, the lines. The Dolphins were saying uh, Jeff Wilson was going to be the number two back, and I thought he was going to split a lot of time with Mostert to the point where it might even be more like a 60-40 scenario. This is what I thought at the beginning of the season. Then he had Achan uh, look fantastic for a couple weeks. Now he's out for four weeks. Um, I would assume that once they activate Jeff Wilson, and maybe not this week against the Eagles, but the following weeks, um, he's going to be a guy that gets 25, 30 snaps in a game, especially with HN on injured reserve, and it's going to be out at least another three weeks after this week. Um, it, will be, it will be really interesting to see what happens when all three running backs are healthy. We know where he mosters uh, history. That might not be the case in the month that he's actually healthy. Um, I, I don't know if it matters much this week, but... We talked a lot in the Tuesday Roto-Wire podcast, and you can listen to that wherever you listen to podcasts. 
um, about a number of running back situations. Zach Evans in the Rams' backfield, Greg Reynolds. We talked about Jordan Mason, Elijah Mitchell with uh, Christian McCaffrey banged up. And I would sooner roster Raheem Mostert than a lot of the popular wave wire pickups this week because I think Mostert, I'm sorry, not, I keep saying Mostert, Jeff Wilson. I'd rather roster Jeff Wilson because I do think he is going to be a factor for that offense, and that offense is really, really good. Um, and that that matters to me more than a one- or two-week stint for Craig Reynolds or Zach Evans or Royce Freeman or uh, even Elijah Mitchell, Jordan Mason. Like I think Jeff Wilson's impact from a fantasy perspective uh, has a lot of longevity for the entire year. And that was my next question, Joe, is, is, as you allude to the, the San Francisco situation with uh, Jordan Mason in particular, I think everyone's aware of who Elijah Mitchell is, but Jordan Mason's been getting some backup carries here these last couple of weeks. He's been pretty productive uh, with McCaffrey expected to miss. I mean, I, I guess he's still down at least a couple rings in the waiver wire, waiver wire pecking order. Yeah, I actually think if it wasn't Jeff Wilson, the Niners guys were next, but it's deciphering which of the Niners guys you want to roster. Uh, and to be clear, I don't know if we can assume Christian McCaffrey won't play Monday. Maybe the Niners shouldn't have it. We'll be safe with it. But uh, it's not like they're the Packers medical staff. They typically are like normal or even aggressive with a few of their players, uh, and they have an extra day of rest for Christian McCaffrey. So I'm, I'm assuming, especially in this conversation, McCaffrey will not play, but he won't be missing extended time. We got this wrong last week with James Conner in the Cardinals' backfield. We saw James Conner out now on injured reserve. Oh, Amari DiMarcado. Uh, got a lot of work the past two weeks. He's clearly the backup. Well, no, it's just that we forgot Keontae Ingram was around, and Ingram had been hurt uh, and, and finally played last week. Did pretty good from a ball carry perspective. You had Damian Williams come up and do some things, too. And then DiMarcado got most, most of the snaps but didn't really do any ball carrier stuff. I think it's the same thing with Elijah Mitchell. And if you listen to the quotes and comments that Kyle Shanahan had last Sunday, it, it, they asked him about Jordan Mason, and he directed the conversation to Elijah Mitchell and said he's been banged up, but when he's been healthy, he's earned the opportunities of playing time. So even though Jordan Mason has looked great, and I don't think uh, the Niners are upset to have him as their number three back, I do think he's the number three, and Elijah Mitchell will be the starting running back if McCaffrey doesn't play. Talking to Joe Barnell of Roto-Wire today on Sports Call. A couple more for you, Joe. I imagine I know the answer to this question. I will still ask anyway to see if it's a, ne- a no or a hell no. Uh, but uh, Philadelphia signs Julio Jones, uh, obviously, the <laughs> other day. Uh, also, McCole Hardman gets traded to Kansas City. Uh, I-, I would assume I know the answer, but any interest in picking up either one of those guys on the waiver wire? Yeah, I made the joke in the podcast on Tuesday because it happened right as we were going off air that uh, the, there's, there's a litmus test that you could run from a fantasy perspective. If somebody picks up Julio Jones in your fantasy week, don't invite them back next year. There's no <laughs> reason they need to be playing fantasy football because uh, that, that's going to be a headache for you as a manager or a person playing in the league with them because it's a bad choice. And they're, and they're making lots of bad choices that would eventually lead to them deciding, Julio Jones, I need to pick him up in the year 2023. No. Uh, that that don't don't let that happen. Chastise anybody in your league that chooses to do that. <laughs> uh, the Michael Hartman one's a little bit more interesting to me. Like I thought, Sky Moore would be a lot better than he has been, and that he has such intimate and like early like it, uh, familiarity with the Chiefs' offense. There should not be much acclimation time. Makes Hartman kind of interesting to me because Darius Tony hasn't been very good. Sky Moore's been even worse. You don't even know uh, Marquez Villascantling's out there on the field. I love Rasheed Rice. He was kind of my guy, especially outside round 12 uh, that I've been talking about, and I thought he would develop into what he is becoming now, like clearly the Chiefs number one receiver. But I don't think Nicole Harbin cuts into Rasheed Rice's workload. In fact, 
I would sooner assume it means they have zero faith in Sky Moore and or Kadarius Toney. Um, so I'm not picking up Hartman per se, but I am monitoring that situation, and I think there's possible value uh, that the Chiefs chose not to sign him for that massive contract. Doesn't, doesn't mean they don't like him. I think it's just that they are very particular with their specialist roles, and they thought Sky Moore or Kadarius Toney could do it, and they clearly haven't been able to. Joe Barnell of RotoWire joining us today on Sports Call. Joe, as always, the time's greatly appreciated. Again, uh, we give you the opportunity each week. We, we know that you've got a, a very busy schedule. Certainly appreciative of you joining the show. So, again, what you mentioned the, uh, the podcast on Tuesday. Uh, but uh, what else do you have uh, in works from week to week? And then what uh, can our listeners find over at the site at RotoWire? Yeah, I plug the podcast enough, but I, I do uh, do the big betting sheet each and every week. We talked about at the beginning of the, uh, the show here, the segment, that uh, I, I pick every game against the spread and the over-under, uh, kind of get my thoughts. It was a lot of a lot of bad football that I was projecting, so I probably went a, a little bit open-ended and uh, a little bit more personality-driven when I was discussing the games. And uh, Maybe you enjoy that, maybe you don't. That's fine, but you can, you can literally count along with me uh, on where I'm projecting the games to be. And then every Friday... 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on SiriusXM Radio Channel 87. Uh, do we do all the week week matchups? Discuss all the injury reports, what that means, and uh, it's been great. You know, we've we've had a lot of information that came out earlier this season that we've called correctly. Trying to carry it on throughout the rest of the season. It's been a it's been a good time thus far. Joe, again, as always, we certainly appreciate the time each and every week. Uh, I know you told us uh, you got a good nap in earlier, too, so uh, glad uh, glad we're still resting up. I mean, we're just in the middle of football season, man. Still a long way to go, but uh, certainly appreciate you uh, for joining the show. We look forward to talking again soon. Yeah, we're in the middle of flu season as well. Yes. So we'll try to keep yeah. uh, chugging along as best we can with that. <laughs> so stay healthy, guys. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it, Joe. That is Joe Bartle of RotoWire joining us today on Sports Call. Always enjoy talking to Joe there. And uh, again, uh, hearing what uh, he has to say in the fantasy world definitely informs me as I do not partake, as you guys know. Uh, and that's, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But uh, again, I like to be more stress free and just worry about one team's injuries. Rather than potentially injuries across the league, and that and, and I can respect. <laughs> uh, we uh, need to go to our next break of the program. On the other side, a little more football talk for you here on this Wednesday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger ninety five point into the show send us your thoughts via email you've got mail sports call at the tiger.fm this is former auburn football player danny skutak and you are listening to the abbey award-winning sports call auburn Sports Call Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Cam Berry with you here 
on this Wednesday edition of the program, starting to get into the latter moments of the show. I want to remind you, coming up right after us in about 20 minutes, top of the hour, the High School Coaches Show, live from the End Zone Bar and Grill. Brooks Childress, the host of that program, with T.P. Hammock here this evening. So they will be joined by some of the great coaches in the area, uh, in the high school ranks, and so they'll also give you an update on the region standings as we get closer to the playoffs and some of the uh, top 10 polls and all the news going on in high school football. Looking forward to that. Want to remind you that, again, we are the official home of the Beauregard Hornets, so you can hear their next matchup this Friday night, 6.30 airtime with Tim Sin and the guys right here at Tiger 95.9. Smith Station Panthers taking on JAG this weekend. That war this week, that's also Friday uh, just after 6.30, 7 o'clock kick on FM Talk 93.9. And, of course, the Alabama High School Athletic Association scoreboard show directly follows that on FM Talk 93.9. And on Saturday, our game of the week this week, Michigan and Michigan State. Uh, that rivalry matchup is the FM Talk game on Saturday on 93.9. So a lot of good stuff here at Tiger Communications. All right, so starting to wind down the show a little bit, just talk to Joe Bartle. Of Roto Wire about some fancy things. Uh, the acquisitions getting a little bit more interesting this week. I mentioned those two that maybe are not great fancy ideas, but we'll see if they end up being relevant in. Um, I, w- I don't want to say the real world. Fan- the fantasy is still real, but it's just also <laughs> fake in a way too. But you know, whatever. It's very real. Uh, <laughs> We've got real things riding on these leagues. <laughs> this is pressure, man. <laughs> I, I just I, I don't know, man. I might get a jersey. Well, that is something. Yeah. That is true. That's the that's the prize in the office league. Yeah. yeah. Oh, is it a jersey? Yeah. yeah. If you win, so here's. Oh, you didn't know the prize? I know the prize. Can I, I tell them the prize? Yeah, and tell I'm them not the prize. In the league? I didn't even know there was a prize. Yeah. What? The prize is so rather than having because you guys have been doing again, you have to talk like you're far, you are separate from me in the sense of, um, you guys have been doing like a little ten dollar buy in or whatever the buy in had been. For the cash prize, you know, t- t- you know, typical of a fantasy league. Right, right. Well, the, the prize this year, instead of everyone contributing financially there, everyone is going to contribute so that the winner gets a jersey of their choice based off of who's on their fantasy team. So you, the winner chooses a jersey wow. that is a player on their fantasy team. So it can't just be like anyone like – Oh, I like the Falcons, so I want a Kyle Pitts jersey. Right. Nope. If Kyle Pitts is not on your fantasy team, then you can't get that jersey. Or I'm a Bucks guy, so I would like a my second Mike Evans jersey. Well, if he's not on my team, guess what? Right. Uh, so anyway, I I think that's a pretty cool prize. Yeah, but, I, I like it. I like that idea. But uh, still, not uh, nothing to do with me. I'm still riding solo Boo. over here. But, uh, <laughs> I, I, guess, I guess I guess if I were to win it, I guess I would have to make the Swifties happy. No, no yeah, that really, you sick, go Travis though. Kelsey. No, absolutely, I mean, he's a great player. Yeah, he's oh, a yeah. great player. So I, out of all out of all of these, like, yeah, I mean, I got a bunch of guys on uh, injured reserve right now. But, you could uh, make uh, Joe mad, and if you like Julio Jones or something, you can pick him. Up. <laughs> uh, I could get Chris Godwin. Yeah, it'd be a good jersey. Yeah, but yeah, Kelsey would be. I, I have. He's my number one pick. I, I think I'd have to go with my number one. Yeah, pick. Yeah, why not? Yeah, Kelsey. Yeah, Kelsey'd Absolutely, be. A good why jersey. not? I got to do better though. I'm only three and three right now. I'm sitting at three and three as well. We're we're at a solid five hundred right now, but I'm all right. I could get. I have Jalen Hurts on my team. 
I could get uh, anybody on the Seahawks defense. I wonder how that works. I need to ask about that because I have Seahawks defense. That might be fair. I feel like you can't just. (laughs) I don't think that it would be. Oh no, you have to get a jersey that's just says Seahawks on it. No, no, the la- the, it's just the, Seahawks the, with the la- last name with D. One, get the generic one. You get like the generic one that has yeah. no last name yeah. on it. Yeah. <laughs> with like no number. <laughs> so uh, so right now, the office one, uh, Blaine Childress. Blaine. Is, yeah, Blaine Childress is five and one. Wow. Yeah, he's got a pretty good team. Yeah, then Brant Daughtry and Brooke Myers are both four and two. Yeah. And then you got a whole bunch at three, bunch and three. At three and three. We've got a deep league. We've got like a twelve man league. Yeah. Jared yeah. Dillard is in last place at one and five. Which is team surprising. Team face. Yeah. Yeah. Which is surprising because yeah. yeah, he, he was he, good last year. He was really good. Well, last and year. he cares a lot usually about it too. Yeah. He's the manager of the Thunder Chickens for those the curious. Thunder Chickens. Heard his voice a time or two spread out yeah. at the time on the show, but uh, I probably get him on Raw honestly. Yeah. I like him. Yeah, he is good. He's really good. Um. So that uh, I we should have asked Joe one of these one of these conversations we need to ask Joe what's the best thing you've heard of for a prize yes. and what's the best thing you've heard of for a punishment I can't Absolutely. I, I don't know in our like three years of interviewing him I don't know if we've ever asked him that. I don't know that that'd be we're a good gonna, one we're That's gonna remember one. next week we are going to week. remember next week Absolutely uh, JJ now friend of the program JJ um, JJ's league is now doing a relegation. What is that? Uh, so if you finish last, you are out of the league for one year. Whoa. And someone wow. else comes in. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, they call it League of Majesty. But how do you get yeah. – how do you get – oh, well, I guess somebody somebody has yeah. to place last. They've, 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 all, they've already got one or two people that want to be in the league. Oh. So it rotates out. Wow. They've got one or two too many people to be in the league. So there's someone out right now. How many – how deep is this league? I think it's just twelve. Twelve. I, I mean, think it's. I say just twelve. I understand twelve is is a little big. Yeah, that's on a deep average one. league is probably ten. Ten. Yeah, like our. I have another league with my friends. Our, uh, our league, and it's it's ten. So like I I like ten. I like ten. And I think that's a good number. Eight. Your teams are too op. Um. Now, friend of the program, former host of the program, JJ says it's a fourteen person. Fourteen. That's oh, a large. That's league. cutthroat. That's, that's a large cutthroat. league. Yeah. That means you're getting like. Two, three-ish star players, and then everybody else is like reserves. Yeah. So you might be picking up McCole Hardman yeah. this week. Like that that's where you like that's where it goes deep. And you really have to do your research and you gotta like truly pick points. That that's tough. Yeah, I I, I think that uh and he's got people that wanna be yeah in it. They wow. look they have a big crew there. I mean nah, those those cool. Asheville people, you know, they all that's kind dope. of stick together. There. No, I it just, is awesome. I can't do fourteen. I can't do it. Can I can I I'm gonna tell on him live radio and he's listening to he's gonna start laughing. Just don't run off the road, JJ. Um we've devolved here in the last ten minutes of the program. Um you know why they did this too? I mean they're part of it was because they do have one or two extra people that want to be in the league. Right. It's also because you boy. Oh, JJ boy. did something. Oh, jeez. And a and a and during the draft, of which everyone was present, which never happens because they all all over the place went out. When they started this, they were all in Western North Carolina, right. pretty much. And now they're Tennessee, North Carolina, Alabama, all yeah, over the place. All over the place, right? Your boy fell asleep in an in-person draft. What? Fell asleep. Yep. JJ, shame on you. Yeah, it happened. It, you know it happens. Tough Shame day. on Tough day. you. You, you know, work dro- too hard. Drove all over the place. Exactly. He does work hard, but drove all over the place. And so yeah, he's like, they're like, dude, if you finish last because you didn't draft your team when we were all together, you're you're out of the league. Yeah. So basically, it is JJ started. This. It is JJ's That's fault. Great. 
he has won a game. Actually, he's won two games in a row. So he's not last. Okay, that's good. So that's good news for your boy. Also, TP's still listening to the show, and he was in this room about an hour ago, board off the show. TP's in a 16-man league, so yeah, I don't know what I'm you so people are doing. I, Even uh, as someone that's never... TP has <laughs> talked about some of his leagues and how the the punter stuff yep. and the, the kicker field goal extra points, I just that's just too much. I just can't get that deep into it. I love it. I really do enjoy fantasy football because not only does it like get me more into the games as well outside of just the Falcons, but it also... Like I'm, I see all of the stats that these players drop outside of just like the straight fantasy points. Like I'm saying, oh, he's getting this many yards. So like I just, it just, it just helps me keep up with the overall performance of the league, which I, which I enjoy. Sure, and that's how you can also quickly deduce. Like yeah, some of these big name quarterbacks not exactly bringing in true big numbers. I know it's really, it's kind of like so. I did help JJ one year. With fantasy basketball yeah. on his team, and we <laughs> did lose the, and we lost in the title. I uh, just I was the assistant yeah. GM I guy. know I, yeah. I I figured you would get to the title if you played fantasy. Well, thank you. Um, Jesus. We did lose though. I think we lost to Ferg's team. Anyway, uh, neither here nor there. Um, and what I learned about basketball fantasy was that guys that got double doubles are just so valuable. Oh yeah, and like you just big guys that the let the regular league does not care about, like the DeAndre Jordans of the world when he's in his prime, the Andre Drummonds of the world. Yeah, don't really want them on a team that matters. But in fantasy, yes, please. Yeah, they're like three rounds more valuable. Yep. And what I'm learning in the NFL fantasy, at least to a degree, is like guys that can run the ball as a quarterback are just instantly a run above. Like again, hundred percent. That's why you know Tom drafts Lamar. Lamar's never been top five passing league, but he's always like the top rusher. Yep. That's why Jalen Hurts is so valuable. Like this year, he was, I think he was the second quarterback taken behind Mahomes. Um, He's insanely valuable. Yeah. So I again I, I learned some of the intricacies just secondhand, but um, maybe maybe that's what I'm doing. Cam. Maybe my master plan. This is not, but maybe my master <laughs> plan is like I'm going to accrue all the knowledge of everyone else's successes and failures, and then, <laughs> and then jump in in like ten join. years yeah. and then try to just go on a rampage. Yeah. Even though it's totally still my my beef too is like you can draft the most brilliant team on paper. And then they all get injured, and it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah, I mean that's fair. <laughs> you know, that's and in, a, in a way, that's sports, but also it's fantasy too, and right. you have even less to do with it. Um, so, so it's funny, but it's it's amazing how big it's become to the point that again we have uh, people on like Joe all the time to to talk a little bit about fantasy and uh, just everything uh, going into it. But yeah, sixteen team leagues sound rough. I don't know <laughs> how. how I mean, like drafting in that would be just miserable, especially I, late. I like literally the second because y'all carry two quarterbacks. Yeah. So your second quarterback's in theory the thirty-second quarterback in the league. Yeah. You you're just barely having a starting quarterback, and some people might opt to take a good backup. Like you yeah. might have taken. Oh yeah. You might have made a decision before this year. You're like, I'm going to take Minshew. Just to see what happens to Anthony Richardson. Right. And guess what? Anthony Richardson's out for the year now. Yeah. And you're not going to start Minshew, but he's there. He's there. And you and don't now, have to go. Because you could be stuck with someone that, if you have a bye week on the wrong time, you could be stuck with somebody based off your roster that's not playing. Right. Like you might just not have a quarterback. Might not have a quarterback. That yeah. could yeah. happen. I always Oof, draft miserable. a quarterly with bye weeks. Always. I, I, I try to as always. well. Always. I, I draft all of my positions. 
um, based off talent and when they have their bye week. Obviously, like when you draft your your starters, but especially with the backups. Got no, to. My my, got my backups, to. I I definitely especially uh, uh, singular positions like tight end. So so yeah. for instance, Travis Kelsey was my number one pick. My, I at some point I'm going to take another tight end because I know I'm going to have to fill that position at some point, uh, whether it be an injury, which has happened, or when they have the bye week. But yeah, I mean I got to make sure that I line up whoever it is that I pick. I got to make sure that they don't also have that bye week. Uh, right. Same with Chiefs, and so go that way. Uh, yeah, and same thing. You know, when with wide receivers, when you start picking down there in your bench, you want to make sure that you're yeah not loading up on people that have the same bye week or something like that. Uh, loading up on teammates. One yeah. final thing of starters and the sports call tell all in the fantasy world. Cam, did you know I did make a couple picks in your draft this year for JJ? Yeah. <sighs> JJ got sidetracked with work. He's like, here, I can't finish this. <laughs> here, I can't finish so this. So he had already taken Aaron Rodgers as quarterback. He needed a QB2. Yeah. I took Sam Howell. And Risky, now Sam Howell's playing pretty decent. Yeah. And, yeah. and because Rodgers got hurt, it very much was relevant who his yeah. backup was. Right, and right. It's, I'm not going to say it's an awesome pick, but it was at least a pick that maybe is okay. Yeah, I mean, he'll the team isn't good, but Howell will they're, put up they're chucking it. points. They're yeah, throwing, they're throwing the ball a lot, so that helps. I mean, that's favorable. So, he threw three touchdowns against the Falcons on, so <laughs> on there, Sunday. So there's a good fantasy output there. Yes. Um, but, 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 yeah, so I – Again, I, I, I like to – do you know what I am? I'm an analyst. Yeah. I'm just like that like little analyst that doesn't outside. have an on-field role. Yeah. He just comes in like, oh, you're doing this wrong. And let me fix this real quick. All right, that's it. I'm done. Uh, no, Not a high-leverage situation. Just come in here and there. Yeah. Final minute or two of the program. Time for Nightly TV Guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. All right, tonight we've got a few different things on the board uh, as we've got – I don't see this on the TV Guide. I'm going to say it first anyway, and Brooks is probably listening. That's okay. He needs to put this on the TV Guide. Texas Rangers, Houston Astros, that one coming up just after 7 o'clock on FS1. Rangers trying to take a commanding 3-0 lead on the Astros. Max Scherzer back on the bump tonight for – the Rangers. Women's College Volleyball, 6 o'clock, ESPN2, number 6, Texas, uh, hosting TCU. You got National Hockey League back in the second full week of action. Pittsburgh Penguins at the Detroit Red Wings, 630 on TNT. Also got WNBA Finals, Las Vegas Aces, New York Liberty, 7 o'clock on ESPN. And a couple movie picks for you. Rogue One, a Star Wars story, at uh, 6 o'clock on FX. And the Water Boy at 6:30 on FXM. Mom said, uh, and that is <laughs> football sports. is the devil. <laughs> <laughs> that is Sports Calls Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer, and that will do it for the program for today. Tom, thank you for being here throughout the week, good Absolutely. sir. And I uh, hope you have a good rest of your week. We'll see you again next week. I will not see you on Monday again, and maybe not even Tuesday, but I will see you at some point again next week. Sounds good. Enjoy the week. And Canberry, thank you for being here today. We'll see you again on Friday. Yeah, see you on Friday. Can't wait. That will do it for the show for today. We want to thank Joe Bartle of RotoWire for joining us on the program. And as always, we want to thank all those that tuned in and called in. For Canberry and Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Wednesday night. Enjoy the High School Coaches Show coming up next, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.